When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Marina, New Zealand, good morning to you all. And uh, we have uh, quite a good show, I think, lined up today, really. We're going to start with the Warriors uh, assistant coach, Justin Morgan, coming into us. Uh, of course, uh, their finale this weekend against the Gold Coast Titans, hoping to end on the, the most positive of notes. Campbell Burns, uh, journalist, of course, uh, rugby news editor. Uh, he will come to us just after 10 o'clock. Uh, we'll be uh, talking a lot of rugby matters, of course, with him. Mark Hinton and Brad Lewis will be on the panel. Uh, Dave Worsley on the ground at the US Open at Flushing Meadow. So uh, we were talking to Dave Worsley just after 11 o'clock. Brett Connor is uh, a trainer of Greyhounds down there in Invercargill. We'll be talking to Brett around about 11.20. Uh, Mick Guerin out of, uh, of course, uh, SENZ's team in terms of uh, the trotting that's coming up this weekend, trotting and harness uh, racing. Uh, and uh, just after 9.30, I should say as well, we're going to open the lines. So we're very busy with staff yesterday. Have you slept on it? Have you feel any better about this All Black selection? Um, you can come to us uh, with that. What are your predictions for the weekend? Predictions for the Warriors uh, last game as well. So uh, plenty to talk about. There'll be a chemist warehouse voucher up for grabs on 0800 150 811 just after 9.30. Sport is our religion. And here is Smithy's Sermon. Well, there's a common saying, or is it a misconception, that you are only remembered by your last performance. The greatest batsman in history was Bradman. He got a duck in his last innings. Those who were there remember that moment, but honestly, he is really remembered for his phenomenal numbers, so far and away superior to any who have strapped on the pads before him or since. So if the Warriors tip up the Titans tomorrow in authoritative fashion, how will the season be remembered? The dedicated fans, of which there are many, will leave with the warm fuzzies and the promise of things to come. For want of a better word, they are lifers and supreme optimists. But honestly, the final hooter will put a big fat full stop on a season which has been pretty miserable, let's be honest. The front office, the back room, pretty much in every room. And as horrible as Her Majesty might say if she was a Warriors fan, and who knows, she may well be. And it's certainly been one of those AH years for the All Blacks so far, but clearly the selectors don't go go by that doctrine that you're only remembered by your last performance because every man Jack who started last weekend gets rewarded with another one this weekend on the back of what? On the back of that that created history in the worst possible way. A resilient person, as Ian Foster has described himself, is one who faces difficulties head-on instead of falling into despair or using unhealthy coping strategies. A stubborn person is one showing dogged determination not to change one's position or attitude on, on something especially in spite of good arguments or reasons to do so. So tomorrow night in Hamilton, 
then there is a true test of this resilience. The coach and the captain are pretty much in their own backyards and will feel warmer all around than they did last week down south. But if they can't turn this trend around, if they lose again, surely resilience will become stubbornness, even, even for the Mulu. Well, 2022, uh, let's be fair, hasn't been that kind to the Warriors. Uh, Currently sitting 14th on the ladder with six wins from 23 games, sitting two points clear of their next and final opponent, though, for the season, and that is the Gold Coast Titans. Uh, The last time the Warriors wrapped up their season against the Titans, things got uh, a little bit heated, to say the least, but in front of a packed-out Mount Smart Stadium, no doubt they'll be looking to repay the faith to those fans and their generous sponsor, Vodafone, who are picking up the tab on the tickets. And uh, joining us uh, now is uh, Warriors defence coach uh, Justin Morgan. Justin has joined us uh, a lot throughout the year, and we're very thankful for that. Justin, uh, welcome back to the show. It's been a tough old season for the club, but uh, Cam George mentioned uh, on one of our shows during the week that the players have been packing up and shipping over their belongings from Australia this week, which puts a bit of a full stop on everything. Yeah, thanks for having me on, mate. Great to talk to you. Yeah, it's a little bit of a you know, finality of uh, what's been a... You know, I suppose a you know, eventful three seasons, you know. Um, obviously, I know for me personally, we're over there in March 2020 and the only times that I've returned is for the games over the last um, five or six weeks. So, yeah, lots of packing up, lots of excess baggage um, on the plane coming over. We had a bit of a delay yesterday, so we got in a little bit later than anticipated. We're just on the bus at the moment on the way to captain's run. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to that. So, hopefully we can finish the season with a win. You know, it's, it's been, as you mentioned, not, a, not the greatest season um, so far, but uh, yeah, if we can we can lead with a with a victory. Um, you know that'll you know, put a smile on all the people that are going to be there for the last game. Yeah, certainly. Well, it sounds like there's a, a good feeling in the bus. Uh, what about the, the vibe amongst the team uh, as they see the end in sight? Yeah, look, you know there is a there's a decent vibe. Obviously, a lot of guys really excited about coming home. You know, um, but, and for the guys that haven't lived in in Auckland before, you know, it's a, it's a new adventure for those guys. There's a number of guys that have signed for the club over the last few years that haven't had an opportunity to to live in the great city of Auckland. So um, they're really excited about starting a new adventure as well. So some of those guys, uh, they won't be going back to Australia after the weekend. They've packed up their houses. They've you know they've brought their families and their partners and over, and um, they'll be starting a new life over here. Obviously, have a little bit of a break after the season. Um, there'll be a number of players that will be heading off to the World Cup. So. Yeah, they're, they're in pretty good spirits, you know, considering, um, you, know, you know, what's been happening over the, the past, you know, 12 months or so. Um, so, yeah, a, a lot of excitement, a lot of anticipation towards a, a big game tomorrow. So um, we're super grateful for Vodafone for picking up the chance of those last lot of tickets to, to make it a sellout. So we're appreciative of that. <coughs> Season, yeah, as I say, the season doesn't finish till uh, the final hooter tomorrow. So, uh, from a Warriors point of view, how important do you think? How important do you think to finish on a on a note against the side that you are favourites to beat? Yeah, extremely. Obviously, you mentioned you know uh, in the lead up there that it was a, and we played them in the last game last year, and uh, you know it, it sort of left a very you know, poor taste in everyone's mouth the way we finished. You know, we we must probably lost our level of discipline at different stages and put in a very, very poor performance at their home ground. So um, we, we, we're obviously playing at Mount Smart. Um, I think it's fair to say that when we've played there this year that we've put in good performances, you know, obviously beat the Tigers, beat the Bulldogs, put in a decent performance against the Storm, um, unable to get the victory, but certainly not a you know an embarrassing performance. So 
We need to make sure we cap off the homecoming series with with a victory. Um, you know, we expect the Titans to play a free flowing type of football. You know, we've seen that the last few weeks, a lot of high scoring games. So it'll be important for us to uh, to, to make sure that. You know, I don't like using the phrase "expect the unexpected," but uh, you know, um, we'll, we'll certainly be expecting that they move the football a lot, especially in their own end, and um, they've got nothing to lose. But you know, what we can't do is we can't go into the game, you know, with a loose attitude. So it's important that our attitude's right, um, and we and we earn the right. If we want to play football, we've got to earn the right. We've got to run hard first, um, you know, win some field position, and then you know, hopefully the game will open up, you know, as as time time rolls on. How do you def- uh, strategise your defence in terms of a side that w- wants to play open football, run the ball around, back up the big numbers? Yeah. So how do you strategise going into that? Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a really good point. What we've spoken about this week is it's important that you just keep moving all the time because you know you, you might be defending on the left-hand side of the field, the ball goes to the other side, there's a really good chance the ball will come back. They've got a lot of players in the team that you know, that they're instinctive type players, and I'm talking Brimson, you know, you know, big Tino, um, you know, he just runs the space, uh, Campbell at the back. So it's important that we stay connected as a, as a team. Um, it's not the structure that I think of the opposition that's going to cause us problems. It's going to be when we're dishonest defensively. So, you know, that means making sure we're moving up on the short side when we feel the ball's going away from us, doing our job at marker, you know, making sure that we're rocking out at marker and, and filling the space when the ball goes away from us. When the ball gets kicked, um, you know, keep moving. So, you know, honesty's, uh, you know, honesty in defence is going to be a really important thing for us tomorrow night. The other thing, of course, is being at home, and it is now, it must almost start to feel like home for some of these uh, players who had never experienced Mount Smart before. Uh, I, I, is, it, is it important that you build it a, a fortress-like thing and make it your base now going forward so you defend it as such? Yeah, and that's what we've missed over the last couple of years. Apart from all the pathways and you know the opportunity to have, to have a home and, and and sort of you know go to the home ground, we've missed having a fortress or having a place that's difficult for opposition teams to come. You know, it's been a, it was a bit of a novelty for for teams over the last couple of years to come up to Terrigal and and play at a nice stadium up there that that doesn't regularly get used for NRL for all the teams. So there's a bit of an adventure. Some of the teams use that as a bit of an opportunity for a camp away. Um, then we'll obviously up at Redcliffe, which is the home ground of um, the new team next year. So you know, we're only we're only temporarily in there. So we're like we're like more renting. So you know you can't put pictures up on the wall and all those types of things like when you rent a house. So um, now that now that we're coming back to Mount Smart, you know, with a number of players that have come to our club, and I know being involved in different clubs as well, but it's always traditionally been a difficult place to come and play. Firstly, the crowd. It's a very boisterous crowd. It's a crowd that that um, you know gets right on top of you, and it's very very loud. Um, the, the field itself is, you know, is quite unique. You know, it can get quite slippery at night time. So that puts a little bit of a negativity in opposition's minds at different stages. And, and again, we need to make sure that, that it's difficult for teams to, to, to come to Mount Smart and, and, and win games. You know, we need, to, we, need, we need teams not to look forward to coming to Mount Smart, not looking forward to coming to Mount Smart, saying, oh, it's a good chance for us to get away and, and, and so forth. So, um, you know, we can start to build that, you know, um, starting tomorrow. And I think it's fair to say the first... Three games in the homecoming series have been reasonably good. Um, we can top that off again tomorrow, and then you know, obviously, go into the off season with some 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 fresh ideas, and and obviously, you know, on the back of that, with the mindset of making sure Mount Smart is a, is, a, is a fortress for 2023. Of course, tomorrow will be uh, Stacey Jones's last uh, game as the interim head coach. Results aside, how do you think Stacey has has grown in this uh, caretaker role? 
Yeah, look, he, I know he's really enjoyed certain parts of it, but like in any job, there's parts you don't enjoy. Um, I've certainly loved uh, working with him. Um, you know, I've never worked with Stace where he's been the head coach before. Obviously, worked with him on a number of different teams, you know, when we've both been assistants. So, um, look, I, I think uh, he will take you out of a, a lot of experiences, understanding, you know, uh, the viewpoint, um, you know, from a different point in the office, so to speak. You know, when you've got to make the final decisions, you've got to talk to players about not being selected, etc. So that's never, you know, a fun part of the job. But I know he's really embraced that. I think, um, you know, being a Kiwi legend and, and obviously a Warriors legend, um, you know, that that's, that's, you know, sort of ticked all the boxes now, hasn't he? You know, he's, he's played for the club, he's, he's coached at the club, he's now been the head coach of the club. So I think he's done a wonderful job uh, under very trying circumstances. Um, firstly, it's always difficult when your head coach gets sacked. It's never easy to step into the fray because, you know, for the, the weeks preceding that, you're working your backside off to make sure he keeps his job and we win games and all those types of things. And all of a sudden, that's taken away and, the mood around the place is always, you know, quite negative when somebody loses their job. So he's kept the group together, um, you know, and especially with, you know, we're at the end of the three-year series. So the tolerance level of a lot of people, you know, players, staff, about lots of different things, about not being at home and not being with their families and so forth, you know, has, has been has been really heightened because of the situation. He's handled that really well. You know, in a, in a situation that has been really difficult to handle, Firstly, a team playing poorly and not winning. And secondly, a team away from home. He's handled all the, the curveballs but that have been thrown his way. So he's been very inclusive with um, with all his decision-making, which is um, something that you know, all the staff have really enjoyed. So um, I know he's enjoyed it, and, and I'm sure he and I will enjoy a couple of cold ones tomorrow after after the final game and you know, and reminisce on the season that was. And, um, and more importantly, look forward to what's going to be 2023. Deservedly so as well, I would imagine. I hope there's more than just a couple of them for you. Uh, for yeah. your sake, Justin, hey, let's talk, yeah, yeah, let's, let's talk about uh, uh, the side specifically for uh, this weekend's encounter, of course. Uh, Sean Johnson uh, has been named despite uh, a little calf niggle against the Panthers. How's he looked this week? He's only 50-50, to be fair. He's got a little bit of a um, you know, final run to do here at Captain's Run. Um, we're hopeful, but we're we're not you know we're not putting our hopes on it. Hence, we've got Dejan Arce in the twenty in the twenty-two man squad. So, um, if if Sean's no good, he'll just slot into that position there. Um, obviously, Marcelo, um, you know, battling with his knee as well. So we've got a couple of bumps and bruises to some outside backs. So there might be some shuffling around of, of the team in that situation, but. Uh, we're hopeful, but um, certainly our forward pack, I don't think it will change, but there might be some changes in the back line based on uh, how guys pull up for training today. OK, so you've got Ewan Aiken, Jesse Arthurs and Wade Egan uh, returning to the side for the last hit out. So there's some experience and injection there at just the right time. Yeah, you're right. Uh, and, and that was you know that was part of the, the reason for the selection. Uh, Jesse hasn't played for a few weeks, but he's experienced. Um, Ewan obviously missed last week and... Is arguably in our best player all year. Um, you know, I think we have got an awards night tomorrow, and uh, certainly he'll be in the running for the player of the year. You and Aiken, he's been fantastic for us, and and Wade Egan was close to making the side last week, and you know, unfortunately, um, you know, he, he missed out. So having his experience in the middle of the field won't put as much pressure on Freddie, and and if Tanella does make the final 17, it won't put as much pressure on those young hookers. So. Great to have those three. They're definite starters, all those three. So, um, yeah, looking forward to those guys coming back and adding some experience for us. Justin, the draw for next year has, uh, has pretty much been announced to the, uh, the effect anyway that the Warriors know they're getting just nine home games at Mount Smart Stadium next year. Uh, are you a little bit surprised by only nine? 
yeah, a little bit surprised. I know there's been a lot of talk, you know, among, amongst the chief executives and, you know, the other clubs considering, you know, um, the relocation that, that our club is and the sacrifices that our club, not only the, the people that are involved, but also for our owner, you know, um, you know, he, he, he's the owner of the club. He's got to stump up the bills and, you know, to relocate a team to, to Australia for three years, um, you know, that's not ideal in any business model. So, um, I, I would have thought that we might have got a few more home games, and I, and I thought that we might have got you know a couple of teams come to us and say, look, you know, we, we'll take our home game to somewhere in New Zealand, and 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 maybe you know have a a total of fifteen or sixteen, um, maybe even you know up to twenty games in New Zealand. But I don't think that's the case. I would have liked to have had a few more at Mount Smart, but you know when the when it comes to the crunch, you know most most clubs just look after themselves. They just want to make sure that the best deal for themselves, but. Um, a little bit disappointed, but we'll just have to make sure that when they come here, it's a difficult place to win. Um, we'll have to make home, the home ground a fortress like it was, you know, um, back all those years when, when it first started. And back, I remember in the early 2000s, it was a really difficult place for teams to come and play. So um, that'll be our goal. Obviously, we've got a new coach, coach coming in next year, um, a, a few new staff members as well. So that'll be nice and positive for us and um, bring some fresh ideas and, you know, train nice and hard from, from November onwards because we're back nice and early. Um, early November, train hard, you know, get our head down and, and make sure we start the season well. If we start the season well next year, um, you know, we all know what that's like. It just makes it a little bit easier as you roll on. So um, we'll be working really hard. You know, we've already started to make some plans for, you know, from, for November and some of the changes that we're going to make. And, um, you know, with, with some new players coming in as well, that'll uh, add a new dynamic as well. Um with that in mind, um, what does the off-season look like uh, for yourself, uh, Justin, in, in that respect? I mean, how much of an off-season do you have? For instance, have you had contact with Andrew Webster uh, already about next year? I mean, uh, Andrew McFadden comes in as a recruitment coach. Do you have uh, consultations with him about the defensive side of things? So how long is your break and how, how, how quickly will you start to replan? Yeah, already had several conversations with his current employer at the moment, and, and he's obviously got a, a tough job to do there. So, but we have uh, on his days off had some conversations around um, you know, the structure of next year and, and, and what we'll be looking to to improve. And um, obviously caught up with him a couple of times when I've been in Sydney um, just for you know, for a quick catch up. Um, I've, I know Webby quite well. I worked with him in the UK for for seven years. We're at the same club. Um, so uh, I know his style. He knows my style. Um, so uh, in terms of Andrew McFadden, he, that's measurably more for for Cameron George to spend some time with him. He's obviously going to be looking after the pathways and the and 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 uh, the recruitment. So again, he's obviously currently contracted to Canberra. So I have to be careful not to to tread on toes there. But I'm sure that Cameron and um, and Andrew Webster have been talking to him um, at length. Uh, so I'll have a little bit of a break. I'm going to go back. Um, my family is in uh, in Australia, so I'll go back after the game um, on Sunday, uh, spend a week there, have um, a couple of weeks uh, break um, um, with my partner, and then uh, then I'll be back uh, sort of early no early October, mid October, and you know, ready to hit the ground running. I know that as a staff we'll be. We'll be meeting mid-October to, to, to nut out some plans um, and then the, the boys will be back training um, early November. Um, so I think it's the 1st of November or something like that. So um, if we could, um, you know, we'll have everything ready to go and then, you know, the players that go to the to the World Cup, they'll go to the World Cup and then 
based on, I think, the RLPA, there's some players that get nine weeks, some players get seven weeks, some players get five weeks. But for me personally, you know, about um, you know about three or four weeks off and then uh, back into it. Well, Justin, uh, despite being a tough season, you've always been available to us, which we are so grateful for. I uh, can only wish you uh, all the best for tomorrow's game. Let's hope you finish on a, a really good note and uh, enjoy that break if you get a chance to. Thanks so much for your time. Ben, good work, Smithy. appreciate it very much. And uh, I might catch you for a beer in the off-season if I get a chance to, mate. What do you reckon? That would be lovely. That would be lovely. And it would be more than one of those as well. More, more than one of those. <laughs> Cheers, man. mate. Thanks, mate. See you, mate. Cheers, uh, Justin, Justin Morgan there, uh, defence coach uh, for the Warriors. Uh, so, yeah, let's uh, just hope they finish on the best possible note uh, tomorrow. And as I say, that won't be remembered by their last performance generally as such. The fans will love it. The, the dedicated fans will love it. Uh, but they've got work to do. There's no doubt about that. And uh, it begins very quickly by the sounds of things. It's 9.23 here on SENZ. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Well, some of the seeds have gone west, uh, particularly in the women's side of the draw at the US Open. Uh, really gone quickly uh, early on in the piece in the first week. So... Uh, just after 11 o'clock, we'll catch up with uh, our resident uh, tennis expert, Dave Worsley, who's on the ground over there at Flushing Meadow, and uh, he'll uh, outline uh, just what he thinks is going on in the men's side of it. It's, it's a little bit more stable with Medvedev still um, in the frame, uh, along with uh, Alcaraz, Nadal and Rude. So uh, four of the top five seeds uh, are still there. But uh, the women, um, Conteve gone, of course, uh, courtesy of Serena Williams. Sakari gone, Bedosa gone. Uh, they were seeds two, three, and four. So it uh, really is uh, becoming uh, an interesting US Open in the very early stages. Uh, matches in progress at the moment. Schwartzen is uh, up on Popperin, the Australian. Uh, took the first set, 7-6. Dimitrov, though, the uh, 17th seed, is uh, under real pressure from uh, Nakashima. Uh, lost the first two sets, 7-6, 7-5. So uh, plenty of tennis uh, going on. We'll get that update from Dave, uh, as I pointed out, uh, around about... Uh, 11.05 this morning. Um, of course, don't forget too uh, that we've got the uh, cricket coming in here on SENZ. Uh, Sam Hargraves and Damien Fleming will be doing the commentary uh, along with Daniel McCarty and Grant Elliott. Uh, the first game is uh, on Tuesday out of uh, Darwin, then Thursday, then Sunday. So three games in a very short uh, space of time, and that, of course, is for the Chapel Hadley, the Chapel Hadley Trophy. Uh, right, uh, we're going to open up the lines uh, very shortly, 0800 There will be a chemist warehouse voucher up for grabs for uh, 50 bucks, just in time for Father's Day. And, uh, of course, uh, we invite your calls there on uh, what you are expecting, either out of the Warriors, uh, a last hurrah, uh, Warriors fans, uh, or, of course, uh, All Black fans or All Black critics. Um, what are you expecting out of uh, tomorrow? I see that uh, Michael Checker. Michael Checker has made four changes to a starting 15, is winning starting 15, uh, and we've made none. Right, uh, it's uh, 9.30, and uh, here's uh, Araha with the news. Talkback time with Smithy. Brought to you by Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Call now for a chance to win today's $50 Chemist Warehouse voucher. 0800 150 811. Nine thirty-two here on SENZ and uh, Craig from uh, Tauranga. Good morning to you, Craig. Oh, morning, Smitty. How you doing? I'm good, mate. Are you uh, driving over the Kaimais tomorrow afternoon? 
No, no, I'm not. I've got a busy weekend with the kids, unfortunately. So um, that's you know, life of having teenage kids, I guess. It is. Uh, so what, do you, what have you made of uh, this week unfolding in the life of the All Blacks? Yeah, so in the, in the All Blacks, I, I mean, I jokingly texted in when you were talking earlier in the week about uh, about what changes we'd, we'd make, and I said I'd just make one. I'd, I'd bring in Razor for Fozzie and then let Razor select the team. So <laughs> a little bit tongue-in-cheek, of course, and it was never going to happen. But uh, uh, I've also said previously that, that I'm an All Black supporter and, and, and I'll support the All Blacks, and, and Fozzie's the coach and he selected the team. So, you know, I'm, I'm all, all in on... on uh, on supporting them, so looking forward to it. I don't necessarily agree with with everything, but I don't think you know we don't think everyone does. Um, but yeah, I'm just looking forward to the game and and, uh, and hoping they can turn it around. Do you, do you believe they will, or you just hope they will? Oh, I, I think yeah, I do believe they will. But then every time the All Blacks play, I mean, even with ten minutes to go in the last game, I, you know, like you, I guess we've. I still thought they were going to get up and, and win, you know, and I think that's just the, the nature of what we've come to expect over the years, you know. And every time they run out, I expect they're going to win. Um, obviously, that's not always the case. Yeah, this weekend, I do I do think they'll win. Um, I think those players that, that were poor on the weekend uh, will stand up. Uh, I'm, I'm particularly delighted that, that Dalton's on the bench. Um, I, I rate him probably above most of the loose forwards. Him and Artie Savier are, are head and shoulders above everyone else, I think. And, and I've, I mean, I have said also that we've missed Ethan Blackadder, so that would be my loose forward trio should they all be fit um, moving forward. But, yeah, please, Dalton's on the bench. Um, really disappointed for Stephen Perifeta. Um You know, what Fozzie did uh, last week was just ridiculous. And, I, I mean, that's been well talked about. No one sort of understands that. So... Yeah, I, I think they will turn it around. Um, yeah, like I said, every time the All Blacks run out, I expect them to win. So that doesn't change this weekend. How are they going to turn it around, Craig? That's the interesting thing for me. I mean, Joe Smith's the attack coach. How, how are we going to back, get these guys, these Argentinian defensive lines, how are we going to get them backpedalling? Well, yeah, again, that's been well talked about. I think Moanga stands a little bit deeper than than um, than what Barrett does traditionally. Um and, and I know he played last weekend. It worked against the Springboks in Ellis Park. Um, so standing a little bit deeper, I think um, probably a smarter kicking game, turning them around a bit more. Um, you know, and, and I just think we'll just be, oh, well, again, I'm hopeful uh, that we'll just be a little bit more clinical in, in what we do. I think um, we didn't uh, we didn't play the, the referee so much. Um, you know, well, I don't think we uh, I don't think we adjusted enough to to the calls he was making. I thought we made too many mistakes um, and too many penalties, obviously, and, and then come out and say, oh, the referee was pedantic or, you know, he was inexperienced or whatever. That, that's, that's beside the point. I think the players on the field need to make those adjustments, and I think they will. I think they will this week. Uh, so I think turning the Argies around and making them run a bit more um, and being a little bit more clinical, um, you know, and, and with our discipline and, and with ball in hand, I just think we just need to be smarter this weekend and here's hoping here's hoping they will. So that that's my opinion on the All Blacks. Anyway, um, we'll find out Saturday night, I guess. Yeah, we will. Um, and incidentally, I can just tell you that Nick Berry is a referee tomorrow, uh, the Australian, 38-year-old Australian Nick Berry, and he's a referee we're a little bit more familiar with, so hopefully we don't have the same issues that we had uh, last week in uh, a number of areas. So cricket as well. Uh, Craig, I know you're a bit of a yeah. cricket enthusiast. Oh, yeah, love, love the cricket. Looking forward to the Chapel Hadley series. So just one little thing on the cricket. Um, 
yeah, for me, I think um, Glenn Phillips, um, he's a little bit inconsistent at times, but um, for me, he, he's the guy, I reckon, that we just need to give him a real good run. He's such a talented guy, uh, keeping wickets, a um, little bit of little bit of bowling. Um, his fielding's outstanding, um, and and I think he has the potential to be a, a game changing batsman. I would persist mm. with Glenn Phillips. He'd be he'd be in every team for me. Yeah, I, I'm totally with you. I think he's a dynamic player. I think that's a, a pretty good adjective for him. He is, and he's the kind of yep. player that you must have at least one of in your side because, as you say, when he gets it right. He wins, and we win uh, as a result of it. And I, I think you've got to have at least one or two of those players, particularly in your white ball side. Uh, and I like Glenn Phillips. I, I, I like the way that they're giving him more and more responsibility too. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, for me, um, yeah, Phillips, somewhere in the middle order, um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't change him too much. He, he might fail a couple of times, but I'd definitely, uh, definitely just say to him, look, you're in, you're in every game for the whole series, and then just take that pressure of selection off him. And I think he would just unleash, you know. So, yeah, looking forward to the Chapel Hadley as well. Good on you, Craig. Uh, have a terrific weekend. Um, and um, make sure you keep those uh, teenagers in check, man. Okay, have a, have a terrific <laughs> weekend. And, um, yeah, uh, enjoy, thanks, uh, enjoy thanks, what's uh, unfolding in front of us. All the fathers. Yeah, and, and same to you. Yeah, uh, absolutely. 9.38 yep. here on uh, SENZ. A little bit quiet on the lines this morning. Maybe yesterday you vented... Everything you had uh, with Staffy, gee, he was busy taking calls uh, for most of the afternoon. So I uh, totally understand if uh, you just want to sit back now and take it all in. You've had your say, uh, you've vented your frustration, and uh, you just want to basically just let it all unfold and uh, perhaps you'll uh, have another crack on uh, Monday and uh, understand that as well. So uh, Craig, will, um, in fact, we've, uh, I think we just might uh, have uh, another caller come. Yeah, oh, Scott Scott coming in from uh, Taranaki. Uh, Scott from Taranaki, and uh, that, of course, is Stephen Perifeta Perif- Perif- country. So, uh, Scott, how are you feeling about all this? Oh, mate, that was, yeah, that was pretty tough on the fellow, wasn't it? I mean, goodness me. Hey, you, you still take it, though. You're an all-black. You're an all-black. You made it to there. I'm sure every other provincial rugby player in New Zealand would have taken that as well, you know. But, um, you know, you always want to make an impact, though, and touch the ball. That would have been nice. Um, but hey, for me, you asked the other chap the question about how the All Blacks going to win, and he sort of um, talked about the fact that you know, discipline and understanding the ref is something that we're going to have to do. But for me, I thought we lo- we lost the breakdown too much. We just didn't commit enough guys uh, to getting over top of the ball and and stopping them from getting in over our ball and, and taking it. So that's one area I think we've got to do better. And also, I think our backline has to be a bit more uh, inventive. We can't keep passing the ball to guys who are standing still. I mean, we're going nowhere there. We're just going to get smashed over the ball, aren't we? So, you know, that's two areas I think we've got to really hone in on, on the park um, come this weekend, is those things. Those two little things, I think, if we can get that right. Oh, and the the line-out, my goodness. But um, Mm. I think we owned them everywhere else, you know. If you take away those penalties... You know, we were we were the better-looking team, in my opinion, when it came to actually breaking the line and then getting some tries. But, you know, they, they didn't look like they could score too much of them either, to be honest. You take the penalties away, they lose the match. So um, that discipline thing's going to be big. And like I say, committing people to the ruck, um, they're, they're the areas that I'd like to see tidied up from the All Blacks and dominate that area too, like we have in the past. 
Yeah, I, I totally. I think that is a massive factor in it. Um, they've changed. They've changed one of their loose forwards, the guy that scored the try, who was uh, quite outstanding. So, uh, but they've brought experience in. They brought Petty in, uh, and uh, of course, um, you know, uh, they they just look like um, um, a very very solid unit. And he is uh, a little bit smarter than uh, we've given him credit for in the past. Michael Checker, Scott, have a terrific weekend. Uh, Ed from Tolaga Bay. Ed, good morning to you. Hey, Smitty. Man, hey, boy. I, what's I happening? Five catch of the All Blacks. Man, I'd, I'd, I'd put Cato Clark at second five, and I'd put Jordy yeah. at centre, and that's where my holes are going to be. We're going to just create the holes in the back line. So, forwards, you still got to win us the ball, and then we're just going to shoot up because Caleb can beat men. So, he's just going to punish those girls, guys in the centres with Jordy there, bang, bang. Oh, Jordan's going to have to be out on the wing and um, put Rako on the other wing. And, um, yeah, that's right. That's right. Target the men. If, if we're not doing it in the forwards, we're just going to have to go at their back line. The old Mananu Nani Lamapi theory, eh? Hit them hard in the midfield. Well, look at Caleb Clark, brother. Man, he can yeah. do it. He's just well, t- do the old Tarooni. Leave the numbers on their backs, and when they get on the field, they all do the big flick around. <laughs> they are the beast. <laughs> oh, that's a dirty. That's an that's an interesting Tolaga Bay tactic. That Ed, the jersey numbers. <laughs> Tolga, ever worked, ever worked. <laughs> hey, if I was the coach, if I was the coach. <laughs> You're a legend, mate. Edrin Tolligavay, absolute legend there. Uh, love his calls. They, they really do make me smile. Uh, Bruce from Christchurch. G'day, Bruce. Good morning to you. Mr. Ian Smith, good morning. Been a while. Uh, hey, a, a lot of thinking going on and listening and all this. I haven't made much comment over the last three or four weeks. Here's how Bruce sees it. Beginning of the year, our mighty All Blacks, um, which we were negotiating a Silver Lake deal. So mentally in their minds, we want to be the best worldwide. We want to we want to really perform so we can sign this bloody thing and get some financial assurance. But I think they um, they are probably trying even harder. Then we went into an Irish series. And we had a second test in Dunedin where suddenly we had two or three really, well, dodgy tackles or high tackles. And these guys got stung with cards. And they, I reckon they mentally really became gun-shy and a bit brittle. And now I feel that's still ongoing uh, an issue, that suddenly, OK, financially we've got some insurance We've got our jobs, whatever, and we want to keep them. But I think when in this breakdown and so on, I think that's, that's there at the back of their minds. We can be as physical as you like, but there's a, there's a line. And if they, if they go over that line, go too hard, the same thing might happen again. And I, I think it's playing a bit of tricks with them. I don't think they, they can actually go in there and... You know how years ago you would really be enforcers and take on a team and say, right, we're, we're not going to be too dirty, but we're going to really push it. I don't think this team feels they can do that. Mm. Yeah. I, hey, Bruce, I, I, get you, I get where you're coming from. I, I, there's certainly um, you know, uh, an element of uh, what you'd feel is uh, hesitation. But there shouldn't be. I mean, this is the, the first time, I think, since 1997 
that this um, starting 15, um, or a starting 15 for the All Blacks, has had three consecutive cracks at it. Um, and for that reason, communication should be at an absolute optimum. Um, confidence should be should be getting there in, in terms of partnerships, in terms of you know uh, the the way you're getting combinations uh, together. Uh, the leadership thing should be uh, pretty firm, um, you know. And uh, I don't, I just hope it's not rewarding those guys that stood up for Ian Foster be, because that would uh, be for the wrong reasons. Um, you can't reward um, average performance. You've got to keep going forward for me. That that's it, Bruce. I appreciate your call. Uh, just finally this morning, uh, Graham um, from Melbourne, formerly from uh, Northland. What are you feeling, Graham? Uh, morning, Smithy. Um, yeah, just quickly, it's it's the Marlborough Netball Association finals day on Saturday. So all the ladies yep. that are playing playing netball on Saturday, all the very best to them. Especially my daughter's team is playing in the premier final um, uh, for Harlequin. So good luck to them. It'll be. I'm really. It's gonna. Well, everyone's really excited. So it's been three years since we've had a decent friggin' hit out. So good luck to all the ladies. Uh, just on the All Blacks, I'm an All Black supporter. Um, I'm desperate for them to win. But, um, I think they will. But if they lose, God, it's just clear, just clear everything for Monday because it's going to be a one hell of a <laughs> shit fight. I think. I don't think we. Can, I don't think they can afford to lose against Argentina a second time. I think it would be hooped. You know, blood will be spilled. But I, I wish the All Blacks Valley stuck with them, so we've got to back them. Not selections I would have made, but yeah, we all we support. We're all we're all all back supporters. We're same way we're black cap supporters. So good luck to them, um, and let's hope we've got some positivity on on Monday morning. And good luck next week it's over a- in Australia, Ian. Yep. Cheers. Thank you very much, Graham. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, I'll be avoiding the bloodletting on Monday. Uh, that will be uh, Ricardo Ball's job, but uh, I'll be fine with that. Graham, thank you very much uh, for and for all you callers that. Uh, uh, came in this morning. The boys will make a decision on that voucher and get back to you very, very shortly. 9.47 here on SENZ. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Uh, hey, Smithy, how good have our front three been? Very good. They must get through 65 minutes this weekend and uh, we take the points on offer uh, exactly. We might be okay. What are your thoughts on the mighty Magpies against those Cantabs? That worries me, that game. I'm not, I haven't seen the uh, Magpies side with a uh, Josh Sims is going to say, uh, I'm going to rest a few. They've got a shield challenge next week and whether they're going to uh, delve deeper into the squad. Uh, can we get up this weekend, the Magpies? Yes, we can. We're not a bad side on the road, uh, but they have been a little inconsistent this season, says Callum, and you are spot on. They just have not closed the deal on anyone. Their margins of victory have been minute. They've drawn a game and, of course, they've lost the, uh, that one as well, that midweek game too. Uh, Otago. So not quite sure how the strategy is going forward for Hawks Bay. Um, but, uh, of course, uh, they'll give it a good shot, and there is depth in the squad. That's the promising thing, Callum. Have a great weekend. Um, and uh, another one uh, has just come in very briefly. It says, one of your callers had a point, and this was Ed from Tolaga Bay, uh, had a point when he made uh, Clark into centre and to second five. We did it with Nonu and Umanga. We need that punch in the midfield. Um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a change, I don't think, we're, uh, on, the, on the basis of what we're seeing now. I'm not sure it's a change that's going to happen, but it's a nice idea. 9.53 here on SENZ. He's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ.
You got to know when to hold them. Know when to fold them. Smithy's multi. Know when to walk away. And know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Right, uh, big one this weekend going for the jugular. Warriors to beat the Titans at $1.54. Springboks to beat the Wallabies at 2 bucks. Chelsea to beat West Ham at $1.50. And Taranaki to beat Waikato at $3. Taranaki to beat Waikato at $3. Warriors, Springboks, Chelsea, Taranaki, $13.86. $13.86. Really confident about that as well. So I'll be putting uh, 20 bucks on that myself. I hope he gets some spending money for Australia. It is uh, coming up to uh, 10 o'clock here on SENZ. Uh, after the break, we're going to talk to uh, the rugby news editor, Campbell Burns. And uh, we'll be talking about the All Blacks. Uh, we're talking about the NPC as well. Interesting games in that over the weekend. Here's Araha with the 10 o'clock update. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Well, when it comes to being consistent and faithful, Ian Foster is paying that out in spades with an unchanged starting 15. Three games in a row now, the same 15 that possibly saved his bacon as All Blacks coach. That brings with it plenty of question marks, and while Foster is defending his decision now, that same loyalty and confidence needs to be reflected in a much-improved performance against Michael Checker's Los Pumas in Hamilton this Saturday night, tomorrow night. Uh, on the line now is Rugby News editor Campbell Burns to help us look forward to both that, uh, that performance and some of them and the uh, very interesting NPC uh, over the weekend as well. Campbell, good morning to you. Very good morning to you, Ian. What was your gut reaction when you heard the naming of the side? Well, it was a strange one, wasn't it? Uh, you know, to, to have an unchanged 15 uh, when you put out a performance, particularly in the second half, like that. Uh, I guess the good thing is that we've strengthened the bench. Um, so four changes there, uh, which which is good. Brodie Retallick, Bowden Barrett uh, coming in, and Dalton Papali. I mean, I, I would have actually liked to have seen Dalton start, uh, given our problems at the, at the breakdown. And I think also... I would have liked to have seen Geordie Barrett move into 12 so Jordan can move into fullback. But, uh, so, so that would have been my, my two or three changes in the starting 15. But, hey, it's all on the, it's all on the team now. You'd like to think with a, uh, with a new referee, and hopefully they can get on the same page as him, that there'll be a much improved showing from the All Blacks. So what do you think it is about Ian Foster at the moment? Is he, is he backing those players that openly backed him, or is he just being a little bit stubborn? Um, yes, yeah, it's interesting. It's, it's probably a, probably a case of both, really. Um, and then we, we have to look, if we wind back to South Africa, we look at it now and we think that the Springboks aren't actually that good a side uh, because we really only put them away in the last 10 minutes. So although that was a very good display there uh, compared to what they'd shown previously, to then put out what we had in the last sort of 25 minutes and in Christchurch last week was was pretty hard to take, really, particularly at the breakdown, and that's that's the area really where they're going to have to uh, try and get on top of the Pumas because it seems now as long as you make your tackles and kick your goals, you can beat the All Blacks, uh, which to me is is crazy because previously it would need something inspired um, or sensational rugby to try and beat the All Blacks, but they seem to be a lot easier to beat in that uh, in that regard this season. So. 
Yeah, I, I look, I think there is an, an element of stubbornness um, with, his, with his selections, but he does have a bit of insurance on the bench, so hopefully that will tell in the second spell. Interesting because, uh, you know, we're looking at a side now, hopefully we're looking at personnel that uh, will be playing uh, in the World Cup in around 12 months' time. <clears throat> but you, you see some relatively old legs in, in some of these players now, uh, Campbell, and, and I'm just wondering... Uh, is he doing the right thing by consistently playing them, or should he be perhaps managing them through a wee bit better? Yeah, that's that's a hard one because I mean, you know, to to my mind, you know, someone like uh, Sam Whitelock is still good enough to be to be playing. That doesn't mean he's uh, playing sensational rugby every weekend, but he's he's a rugby warrior who I think if he's managed more, maybe in Super Rugby. Um, so if he doesn't have to play, um, you know, fifteen out of seventeen games, then then that might might be fine to get someone like Sam Whitelock through. Brody Retallick has missed a lot of rugby this year, so he should be relatively fresh in some senses. And then you look at other guys, um, you know, maybe Sam Kane. I mean, I guess, um, you know, it, it's, it's it's a problematic selection there with, with Sam Kane because he's not playing badly per se, but the the balance of the loose, tri- loose forward trio is slightly out. We need to be getting Dalton Papali in there, some there somewhere, but you've got to play Hardy as well. So where does that leave Sam Kane? So he's been very loyal to Sam Kane, which is fair enough. Um, he's chosen him as his captain, but you know there's question marks there. And then um, you know I, I guess the people have been talking about Aaron Smith, who has played very well in two or three tests this year, but um, it's pretty hard for him to really get sort of uh, any front foot ball um, when you know when the forwards are getting pounded. So I think he's still the man to to go to the World Cup at halfback for us. I um, mean I know he's got a um, there are there, there is a plan around his minutes, um, particularly around Super Rugby. So a few of these guys are hanging in there. Um, Dane Coles, for one, he's going to come off the bench, um, but I guess he's um, it'll be interesting to see what sort of value um, Coles brings off the bench because uh, Cody Taylor sadly wasn't in his best form last weekend. Okay, so you, you mentioned before you'd uh, like to see uh, perhaps Dalton Popper let you get a start in the seven jersey. Um, I, I, what does he what does he bring? Um, to to an All Black starting fifteen that that Sam Kane can't with his captaincy and all. Well, I mean, the thing with Papa Lee, he he carries well. Um, he carries better than than Kane. He's strong over the ball. He's a strong tackler. Um, Kane is obviously as well. Um, they're both industrious. But I just think um, Papa Lee can can be a line out option. So he's, he's just got a, a bit more breadth to his game. He was the best open side in uh, in Super Rugby for sure. Um, so. I think there's, there, there is a growing case for his uh, for him to have more of a role. And although it's a step forward that he's coming off the bench because, strangely, he hasn't even been used in the last three tests. Um, so this is a small step forward, but I would certainly like to see him get more game time at seven. Right, OK. Um, a simple hand-on-heart question here. Uh, since uh, the review at the end of last uh, year, what have we learnt? Uh, what have we learned? Uh, have we gone at, at all forward since that point? Well, <laughs> in, in some areas we have because we've actually tweaked uh, personnel. So in the front row, our, our scrum's looking better. We've got um, we've got two or three younger props in there. Uh, we've got Samasoni Takiyahu, who's clearly a dynamic hooker. He was the best forward on the paddock last week. Um, so in some areas we, we have gone forward. Our defence is pretty good. Um, Seems to, I mean, Scott McLeod's doing quite a good job there. The main problem is the breakdown and the the backline attack, um, which hasn't really uh, the backline attack hasn't functioned except in the in the two victories. So there's a lot on Joe Schmidt to get right, 
I'm not sure the, the alignment of the backs and the passing is still there yet. Um, I think Richie Mawonga is the man for 10, but he obviously needs to be playing consistently like he did at Ellis Park. Um, so there's, there are issues around personnel, but also how we, how we play in the back line. Um, and it just looks as though we're just not dealing with that rush defence well. We're not um, readjusting. Uh, we're not kicking for position well enough. Um, so those are all areas, but they all stem from the breakdown. So, so that's an area. Um, Jason Ryan, I presume, is is all over that. Um, so they've made advances in in the set piece um, in, in several areas um, in their game. But that breakdown, uh, the, their uh, tactical kicking, and their backline attack are, are probably the three major work ons at the moment. Campbell, we can't, uh, barring injury, we can't uh, change uh, things during a, a championship. They are the rules as such, but. Are you confident that we have players knocking down the door from what you've seen on NPC? Well, uh, yeah, there, there are some uh, some players going really well. Um, Damien McKenzie, for one, uh, but he's not necessarily going to come in and uh, start for the All Blacks. Um, so there are certain fringe players going really well. Cullen Grace would have been one, but he he now has a a, a, a bung shoulder. Offered Tonga Fassi played very well for Northland last week. Does he get a... You know, uh, does he get promoted um, for the Bledisloe Cup games? So there's a few players playing pretty good footy, but they're more they're more fringe or black. So it's really what they've got um, within their within their squad and how they're and how they're putting that in, out on a match day 23. Um, but look, there, there are guys putting their hands up in NPC, but some will likely come into contention for the end of year tour rather than these next um, rather than the Bledisloe Cup. Michael Check has made uh, four changes to his starting lineup, um, which is interesting in itself. Um, but the, the interesting thing about uh, in the past, um, uh, when Argentina have had a terrific performance, they generally don't back up that well. For instance, uh, we beat them after they beat it. We they beat us in Sydney. We beat them thirty-eight 0 in Newcastle. But last week, of course, uh, was uh, their second good performance in a row, Campbell, because they'd absolutely thumped the Wallabies the previous outing. So. Are we seeing more consistency from Argentina? I mean, are you expecting them to fall over tomorrow? Uh, look, I wouldn't say fall over. Uh, I would expect them to, to tackle well and, and kick their goals. Um, you know, and but also with four changes there, they've, made, they've brought in Thomas Kubeli, He's a very good player. Uh, Santiago Cordero. So these are some guys who are really going to add add to what was a winning lineup last week. Uh, but the, the Pumas didn't really challenge the All Blacks in any other area um, in terms of um, of attacking, scoring tries. They they scored an opportunist try. Uh, but, hey, I mean, if that's good enough to beat the All Blacks at the moment, that might be the case. So I think Checker has instilled a bit of a harder attitude amongst them. Um, that They still probably don't uh, don't have a hugely expansive game. But, um, hey, if, you're, if that's how you're beating the All Blacks at the moment, then, then it's working. But I, I would still expect... The Pumas to uh, to be edged tomorrow on the scoreboard, um, but it's not going to be by that much. Right, can we look uh, too at uh, what's coming up this weekend, uh, Campbell, in the NPC, which has been absolutely fascinating this season. I've loved the format. I think it's worked. Um, what, what, do you, what? First of all, what's your impression of of how you think the new format's gone? The odds and evens concept. Oh, it's good. Look, it's been it's been really good. Um, we haven't had great weather for the first four rounds, but there's been some really good rugby, and the referees are not overzealous um, when they're ruling on, uh, on on accidental head collisions. So that's been a good, a good thing. Um, so you know, and we've seen the rise of, of teams like Northland um, 
and uh, in, in counties Manukau doing better. Uh, I still think the, the cream will rise to the top. Um, so, you know, you've got the likes of Hawke's Bay, Waikato, Canterbury and Auckland all going pretty well, and, and yet Hawke's Bay would probably feel that they haven't really hit their straps yet. Um, so as a, and overall, there's been some, some pretty good code. Um, um, you know, and, and, and of course, you know, it, it adds to the interest having the odd All Black uh, float back um, into the into the competition, which is also happening this weekend. So, no, I've been really impressed with it. Yeah, beginning tonight, actually, with uh, Leicester Fanganuku providing uh, a bit of a boost for the Marco, uh, and they seriously need it. They do, yeah, they've had it. They've had a tough time. They've had so many injuries, the Marco, and they've also had uh, a problem with that half the region was underwater last week. So, um, it, it needs to start tonight. They need a bonus point win because they've got four tough games to finish. So it'll be touch and go whether Tasman make the quarterfinals in the Evens Conference. But, uh, you know, you'd like to think on a dry track in Palmy, maybe uh, Leicester Whanganuku can get some ball and, uh, and cut some shapes. Uh, Braden Enor comes back for Canterbury. Uh, they host uh, Hawke's Bay on Sunday afternoon. Uh, what are you what are you making there uh, after their strong win over North Harbour Canterbury this year? Even though they fell, of course, to Taranaki, that was unexpected. Yeah, well, they, 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 I mean, the Cantabs have come in with a new coach, uh, Marty Burke, who seems to be doing really good things. Uh, he's got them on the right page. They've had four very good performances and just that one bad game, uh, but they they were comfortable winners on Wednesday night, and they blooded about four, uh, three or four rookies um, in that game coming off the bench. So. There's a lot to like about Canterbury, and they're, um, this is a top-of-the-table clash, um, the head of the Evens Conference meeting the head of the Odds Conference uh, in Hawke's Bay, so that should be uh, that should be all go in Christchurch on, on Sunday because uh, both sides are looking good, and I actually tipped them uh, way back in our, in our magazine last month to um, to be in the final at McLean Park on October 22, which will be uh, interesting if that comes to pass, but it could happen. Of the eight All Blacks that have been released uh, to NPC this weekend, Auckland get a couple, and uh, Roger Tuavasa-Sheck, and of course uh, Angus Ta'aval as well. Yeah, I see that. Yeah, so that'll be good for uh, for Auckland to bring off the bench tomorrow against Northland, um, who I see had Tom Robinson back from injury. Um, so uh, that, that's going to be... You would normally think uh, Auckland would win that comfortably, but the way Northland's gone this year, they've tightened up their defence, um, they're playing some pretty good footy. Um, so Auckland may need those uh, those key men off the bench. Um, but And also uh, uh, with that Canterbury-Hawks Bay game, Braden Enor is at centre for, for Canterbury. So there's a few guys who have been lacking a bit of game time uh, lately who are going to be needed um, to press their case for, for better low cup selection but also help their team uh, teams um, in this halfway stage of the NPC. Taranaki get uh, Tupu Vai back. I thought he might have even uh, been in the mix for the All Blacks this weekend, to be fair. But no, he's not. And uh, so uh, the Amber and Blacks get him back. But not Stephen Perifeta, which is a little bit strange, I would think. Uh, yeah, I would have thought that's very strange after his uh, 52nd debut. Um, I'm sure he's not too too tired after that, um, Stephen Perifeta. Uh, that's very strange. He, he has had one game for Taranaki. Um, played well in that too, but... I would have thought they would have uh, released him, given Barrett's back, but maybe that's um, an insurance policy, um, given that uh, the game tomorrow is about five hours before the test. So so they may feel they need him there in Hamilton um, as one of the, I think they have about 20, 25, 26, don't they, on a, a match day squad. So mm. I was certainly surprised at that and um, pretty tough on Terrafetta giving a guy 50 seconds um, when, the, when the game's gone. Yeah, well, uh, history will show 
he's an all black, um, I suppose, but um, it's uh, it's weird. It is really weird, and I, I would imagine if they had that time again, um, they might have made a different call, but they didn't. Uh, hey, Campbell, uh, brilliant talking to you. Thanks very much on your forecast for the weekend, and let's hope you're right about the All Blacks as well. I, I've got a hunch that you are, and I think we might see quite a nice victory tomorrow in Hamilton. All the best. Indeed. Thank you. I, I certainly hope so. certainly hope so. Thanks. Cheers, Ca- Cheers Campbell. Campbell Burns there, of uh, course, CEO uh, editor of uh, Rugby News and a uh, very good writer uh, and uh, close side there too on the NPC, which I absolutely love. It's 10.18. We've got a panel next. Talk, big opinions, the panel. We've got Mark Hinton with us this morning and Brad Lewis and Mark Hinton on the eve of uh, another All Black Test match and you've uh, followed them around very closely this year. Uh, what have you made of it all this week with uh, the consistency of selection, etc.? Yes, very interesting, Smithy. I think we all thought there would be some change given the nature of last Saturday's performance in Christchurch, didn't we? A um, few of those uh, All Blacks looked a little bit tired, a little bit, uh, um, you know, a little bit flat, you might say, bereft of ideas. But uh, Ian Foster, as I guess um, only he can do, has showed consistency, showed. Um, has showed belief, I guess, in himself and his and his, as the direction he's taking this team, and he's uh, sent out an unchanged um, 15 for the third straight test. I think it's the first time since 1997 the Hill Blacks have done that. Remarkable, really, given the run they're in, having won only two of their last eight tests. So, major surprise, Smithy. But I give top marks to uh, to the head coach for at least sticking to his guns because um, he's adamant that this group can do it, and he's certainly giving them every chance, isn't he? Okay, Brad Lewis, does that make him resilient, as he has uh, often called himself, or a a touch stubborn? I think he's shown that he is very resilient in the last uh, sort of two months, Smithy. Uh, And I I remember saying to you, was it last Friday, that imagine the headlines if the All Blacks lose this test on Saturday and they lost the test, and he's he's survived another week. Uh, And I just had a a quick look at his... um, all that coaching record before, and he's got 17 wins and 27 tests with nine losses and a draw. I think it might be two draws and eight losses. Uh, and, uh, sorry, Steve Hansen, 10 losses and 107 test matches in charge. That puts it a bit in perspective of how this All Black team is tracking compared to the last era. And I know we had some great players previously, but look, yes, he's resilient. Uh, but I think we. When you put in a performance like that, and they were they were okay in the first half, but they just they went to sleep in the second. And I, I like the bench that he's put together. I think the bench looks really good. There's some good impact players that come off the bench, but it's a team lacking in confidence, Smithy. And uh, I'm just not sure if they actually believe they can win these test matches. I mean, we all thought that they'd get the job done against the Pumas. I think you know, a hundred percent of us thought that 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 would be in the bag. And for you know, 60 minutes, it certainly looked that way, but. I'm just not confident anymore as a fan, Smithy. Like, just sitting here, and Mark's watched a thousand test matches as well. Like, I'd be interested to know what he thinks as someone who's covered the All Blacks for so long from a journalistic point of view. Is this, you know, the the first time we've gone into a test match against the Pumas where we're not confident that we're going to get the job done? Look, uh, Mark Hinton, I'll, I'll give you a crack at that as well. And the, the other thing to look at, too, is um, most sides uh, that come here have never really had that great deal of confidence that they're going to beat us. Um, and Argentina would have been uh, top of the pops there. But now uh, I sense um, 
I sense, Mark, that there is a confidence uh, within Checkers mob now, whether it's him, uh, whether it's the Aussie he's introduced into them, uh, or whether it's just out of straight performance. But that makes him a lot more dangerous this time around, I feel. Yeah, look, Smithy, I think any rugby team in the top tier of of the world game at the moment would feel a little bit of confidence playing the All Blacks. They're, they're, as Brad says, they're bereft of of confidence in their own game. They're bereft of of organisation or ability on attack. We haven't seen um, really any... Well, we certainly didn't... Last week, didn't see any strides under Joe Schmidt taking charge. Look, it's really early days. But that attack was awful. They they had no idea how to attack that uh, resolute uh, Argentina defensive line. So look, Argentina will feel confident. Look, I I fully expect the All Blacks to bounce back this week. That was a horrible performance last week. As much as um, Argentina deserved their victory, and as much as it was based on some wonderful quality, some brilliant defence, some great kicking, you know, it, tactically they were right onto it. Um, you know, I, I really didn't. I really thought it was a limited Argentina performance, and the fact that it was still good enough to beat the All Blacks says a lot about where where they are at the moment. So anybody has to feel confident um, going into play these All Blacks at the moment, and I'm sure the Wallabies will be. Uh, you know, they won't take their eye off the ball this week, but once they get through South Africa, they'll feel really good about the Bleeders. Love. And look, this is going to be a captivating series. The Australians, I don't think, have had a better chance to get that big trophy back. Um, so they have to feel good about it. Um, that said, Smithy, I expect the All to bounce back. It's what they do. And if they don't bounce back with something strong this weekend, the alarm bells will really have to be ringing, won't they? I mean, you know, what what is a, a building crisis almost with the, the worst record really in the modern era? Or I can remember ever with the All Blacks losing this many tests and being out of it, um, those alarm bells will be ringing loud and clear if they don't bounce back this week. I fully expected, though. It's been great, though, um, to be honest, uh, Brad, because uh, we've got a hell of a rugby championship on our hands uh, with all four um, really strong contenders still. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess that's from a from a sort of viewer's point of view, absolutely. It's something that was unexpected and, and you know, I wouldn't be surprised if the Springboks turn up this weekend and pummel the Wallabies, you know? Like, uh, it's, it's one of those championships where uh, it seems to be you win one, then you lose one, which is, which is exciting. I mean, it, it's good, good for world rugby, I guess, but also uh, just with what Mark said about, you know, they'll bounce back off the back of a defeat. Well, if we look, look ahead to a World Cup, we know that we're playing the Springboks or Ireland in a World Cup quarterfinal. Uh, so <laughs> there is no there is no tomorrow in a crunch game like that, and and that's what worries me about this side under Foster is a as a as a rugby fan watching the game, I don't know how we're trying to play, and b do we have to get our butts kicked to to be able to to front up the the following week? Um, and I, I agree with Mark. I think the All Blacks will get the job done um, tomorrow night. That's that's what the the history says. But uh, yeah, that that's what worries me, and I just I don't really know what we how we're trying to play and. Look, Ian Foster, as you said, he's resilient. He's 100% resilient. He loves the All Blacks, and he loves the All Blacks jersey. I, I, I don't doubt that. But at what point, Smithy, does he need to be realistic with himself and saying, right now I'm doing, like me being in charge of this team is not right for the future of this game in, in New Zealand. At what point does he does that resilience you know, uh, part from, from, from Fozzie where he realizes that he's not the right person for the job? And I think that that point, is we are at that point on Saturday night. 
Okay, fine. Uh, Brad Lewis uh, with us at the moment uh, with Mark Hinton. Take a short break for the news uh, with Araha. And when we come back, uh, we'll take a look at uh, maybe uh, the retirement announcement from Kendra Coxedge. Uh, Dave Rennie's uh, named an unchanged side. The Warriors, plenty to talk about uh, with Brad Lewis and Mark Hinton. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. It is uh, Brad Lewis with us and uh, Mark Hinton. And uh, Mark Hinton, a significant uh, announcement uh, from the Black Ferns. Uh, not always a big fan of people uh, preempting their retirement at the edge of a t- end of a tournament or whatever, but uh, she deserves to go out on a, a really good note. Uh, Kendra Cox said she has been uh, a very, very worthy uh, battler away uh, for a long period of time. Yeah, fabulous player, isn't she? It's interesting that she's announced her retirement now um, ahead of the tournament. It's kind of good to clear it up, and you have to think that you know now becomes a bit of a rallying point for the Black Ferns, doesn't it? You know, um, let's do it for Kendra. Um, will become a bit of a um, a theme, I'm sure, through the World Cup, and particularly as they get to the business end. She's been an absolutely fabulous uh, performer, uh, the most capped player in the team's history, the first ever winner of the Calvin R. Tremaine Memorial Award uh, as a woman, you know, broke through the glass ceiling there um, and her, just her longevity, her consistency, everything about her. She's she's a heck of a competitive person in, in a very small body. She she, she throws herself around and, and, and gets the job done. So um, yeah, it's, it, it, it just adds another layer to the uh, upcoming World Cup, doesn't it? it, it from the Black Ferns' perspective, um, you know, uh, the, one of their greats going out. Uh, can the team see, see her out in style? It's, you know, uh, it, it might just be a little motivating factor, Smithy. Um, I know you're not a necessarily a fan of it, but it, it, it's good maybe in a way to have some of these things, you know, out in the open before the events happen. So Kendra Cox said you will bow out. She'll bow out one of the very best to have pulled on the black jersey. Totally agree. Uh, I totally agree. Uh, she's everything that's good about women's rugby. I, I must uh, uh, confess about that because at the end of the day, win, lose or draw, and she doesn't lose very often. Always got a damn smile on her face, and she seems so happy about what she's doing, Brad. And um, they'll miss her. They certainly will miss Kendra Coxedge. Uh, and a great person as well. I can't, I've interviewed her a couple of times. She's just super pleasant and always happy to chat. And like, not just one of the best women's players in the country or the world, but one of the best rugby players we've ever produced as well. I think pound for pound, she'd be right up there as, as you know, using an, uh, a combat sports analogy. She'd be one of the best rugby players of the last sort of 15, 20 years um, with her skill set across the board. Uh, and, you know, we'll, we'll, New Zealand rugby will miss her for sure. But I love what Wayne Smith's doing with the Black Ferns. Smithy. They seem to be playing. We just talked about a team lacking in confidence. Well, he's sort of taken the, 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 uh, the shackles off, off the girls and they're playing with freedom. Uh, and they're playing with a, a clear game plan, which is to run teams ragged, which is fun, right? Like, at least we know how Wayne Smith is trying to play. Uh, and it's been really great. I think it's been fantastic to watch them. And they're going into this tournament with, with a little bit of lack external pressure. I know internally there'll be pressure, but expectations are in England, France are the two best teams in the world, so they can kind of play with the shackles off throughout the tournament where the expectations from world rugby is that New Zealand are probably a semi-final team at best. Let's uh, look at the, the UFC um, on Sunday this weekend. Is there any Kiwi input? 
Uh, well, that's in Paris, of course, which is kind of cool. Robert Whitaker, who's a New Zealand-born Australian, is in the co-main event. And Taito Ivasa, who has, has trained a little bit with the guys at City Kickboxing, is fighting Cyril Gunn in the main event um, in the heavyweight division. And Ty putting himself in a position potentially to challenge for uh, the heavyweight title. Actually, interesting fact about Ty, his partner is Millie Holmes, of course, who is um, uh, Paul Holmes' daughter, uh, which is you know a little Kiwi connection there. Uh, and, um, yeah, Robert Whitaker looking to get back towards a potential title fight with Israel Adesanya or Alex Pereira, depending on who wins that title fight uh, later in the year. A uh, big Australian card rumoured to be announced for March next year, which should feature a lot of Kiwi fighters, and Alex Volkanovski, who's the current pound-for-pound uh, pound best fighter on the planet. Incidentally, uh, Tai Tuavasa is uh, $5.10 outsider there um, against uh, Cyril Gain. Uh, Robert Whitaker is a dollar forty-two favourite against uh, Marvin Vittori, though the odds at, at the moment you can get on the New Zealand uh, TAB. Uh, for Mark Hinton, uh, I, I would imagine uh, for the Warriors, um, the pain ends anyway. This season's pain ends to, uh, over the weekend uh, at Mount Smart Stadium, and probably can't come quick enough for most of them involved. Yeah, it's been a struggle, Smithy. Look, yeah. You know, it's been well documented. It hasn't been easy, um, but they've they've kind of folded a little too easily, haven't they? I mean, I, I guess all we ask for from our sporting teams, and you know, we've seen it with the Breakers and the Phoenix, is a little bit of resilience, I guess, in the face of uh, of the odds that are stacked against them or have been through this sort of uh, COVID nineteen period. Um, and we didn't really see that with the Warriors. So disappointing. Um, Look, uh, hopefully they go out on a high note. Their fans deserve it. They've got some of the greatest fans, Smithy, haven't they? The Warriors, I mean, talk about through following a team through thin and thin. It's, you know, there there's certainly, a, you know, a, a little bit of a lack of, shall we say, high points. You talk about the All Blacks fans doing it tough at the moment. The Warriors fans do it really tough, but they stick with them, don't they? So hopefully they get a, a nice way to bow out. And, and you can only think that the best thing about... Um, this weekend and the last game is that um, it's basically finally over and they can start planning something more positive for next year because um, you know they, they have to find a way to turn this thing around and, and playing regularly at home will certainly help them um, but there's a lot of other issues to be addressed and so the, you know the, the, the hard work really starts now for the Warriors um, and frankly you know I think their country demands and deserves something better than they've seen in, in the last few years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, they're going to get high, nine home games next uh, next competition, Brad, by the sounds of it. Uh, they're coming back together in November, but uh, when they send them away for a break, uh, one of the, uh, the the worst aspects of it is uh, been two coaches now have both said they don't appear to want to play uh, at times. Uh, how do you fix that um, in the space of uh, a month or so off? Well, you figure out who those players are, Smithy, and you tell them thanks but no thanks. Like, uh, you just, they, we just can't have players that, that don't want to front up, don't want to play for this club. And look, as I said to you last week, encouraged by what Andrew Webster said in, his, uh, in an interview he did, I think, with Fox Sport um, a couple of weeks ago, uh, where he said, you know, he won't suffer for fools, which is great. But they, they need to figure out who they, even if it's like, I'm not going to mention any names, but even if it's the best players in the team, if they don't want to be here, leave. Like, you know, like um, 
pay them out if they have to and, and reset this club. Give yourself a three- or four-year plan to get rather than say next year's our year. We're sick of that, right? And the best thing for me, Smithy, as, as a journalist, is uh, I'll use that term loosely, is in the, in the next uh, you know, six, five months I don't have to write about the Warriors, I don't have to talk about the Warriors, and I don't have to watch the Warriors. And they've sent me into a state of depression throughout the season. Um, I am doing okay, if anyone's asking, but it's just, I, I need the break, Smithy. I need the break from this team. Uh, and you know we can we can put the rose tinted glasses back on next season, and from round one we can hope is eternal, and we can believe again. Um, who knows? Maybe we'll get the West Tigers in the first round and get off to a, a winning. Start. I, don't, I think the draw's been done. I don't know who we're playing in the first round. Mark probably knows, but yeah, I just uh, I, I I need a break from this club. I need a break. I'll just get my my producer, uh, Logan Swinkles, who's listening in there, very concerned for you. Um, I'll see if we can find a chemist warehouse voucher for you along the lines of uh, perhaps you can go there over the weekend, Brad, and uh, find some sort of remedy to pick you up because uh, that, that's Dan very Dan Carter's depressing. probably got uh, a few of those. Dan, Dan Carter's <laughs> Dan, got yeah, a few Yeah. Yeah, right. Mr. and Mrs. Carter have got that covered. Um, okay, so uh, Mark Hinton, uh, shall we change seasons momentarily? And it's the Chapel Hadley next week. Are you looking forward to that? Absolutely. Absolutely, dootly. Um, look, we don't get many cracks at the Aussie Smithy in cricket. Um, um, and look, this is a, a Black Cats team that's sort of, sort of tracking reasonably well. You just feel they're maybe a little bit off their peak, but they've got a. Um, they're, they're, you know, they're tracking reasonably well, I believe, and um, any chance to take on the Aussies is a good one. Look, um, they are maybe... I mean, that attack of theirs is formidable, isn't it? And we're going to have to negotiate that. But, um, yep, no, I'm, I'm all for the Black Caps. I reckon they're a chance if they get it right um, with, the, with their batting. Um, being able to bat that 50 overs is tricky as all heck, isn't it, in the modern game with the inclination towards towards uh, um, the T20 style. So um, if we can get it right, get some good scores on the board, I think we can trouble these Aussies in this series. This is a Black Cats team that is good enough to beat them, and they need to go in, Smithy, with that mindset. Um, I'd love to see them sort of um, go on the front foot against the Aussies. I think that's the only time where that we've been at our best against them when we go on the attack against them I think back to that Brendan McCullum type era yeah let's take it to them let's take it to them uh, Brad Lewis any chance you feel we went with high hopes didn't we a few years back in that test series um, the last time we went there for the Chapel Hadley of course was the start of COVID they played at the uh, SCG and uh, it was empty absolutely empty the players had to uh, jump the fence and get the ball out of their seats themselves it was uh, quite weird uh, and then of course that uh, that was the end of that that was a one match only so um, how are you feeling about it? Can we can we knock them over? I'm feeling great after last night on Sky Sport watching the uh, the Hobart Test in the 2015 uh, pool game in the World Cup, Smithy. Those were some great memories, and thank you so much to Sky for showing those last night. It was awesome. Uh, yeah, man, I'm with Mark 100%. Let's go at them. I love a guy like Finn Allen who's who's just an aggressive, uh, you know, a Brennan McCullum-type cricketer, and he's at the top of the order. Martin Guptill is, is batting as well as he has um, for the last three or four years. Uh, let's, just, let's just play on the front foot. Let's go at them. Uh, you know, James Neesham, probably been our most consistent white ball cricketer in the last uh, year, year, and he can't get a contract, which is strange to me because he's, he should be playing every single white ball game that we play in both forms. Um, 
of, of T20 or ODI. Like, let's just play aggressive. Uh, and I, I love what we're doing in white ball cricket. I kind of feel, Smitty, that we're trending towards a good era in, in white ball cricket, and we may struggle a bit in the red ball game and test cricket, losing you know, how much test cricket is Trent Bolt going to play moving forward, Tim Stowley coming towards the end of his career. I feel like test cricket is where we might go through a bit of a lull now as we, as we look at, at the young players coming through. What's our new ball attack going to be like moving forward? But I, I feel in the one day and T20 game, we've got some really good uh, 20, uh, 20 over and 50 over cricketers out there uh, that, that, could, that could be great for us moving forward. Brad Lewis and Mark Hinton have been the panellists this morning. Uh, thank you very much, gentlemen. Uh, happy Father's Day. Uh, to all those uh, concerned as well. And uh, should the All Blacks not get up tomorrow night in Hamilton, I sent some uh, very interesting articles, um, courtesy of you two blokes as well. So, uh, Brad Lewis, Mark Hinton, thank you very much. uh, And we'll have a panel on Monday around about uh, 10.30 as well. The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz. Racing's biggest fan. Nothing on the agenda today in terms of uh, thoroughbred racing in this country, but certainly uh, a busy weekend. Uh, Louis Herman Watt joins us uh, racing at uh, Wanganui and Rickerton Park, and then, of course, Tarapa on Sunday. Yes, Smitty. Well picked up on the Tarapa on Sunday. So the Pakaranga Hunt steeple and, and meeting there, and it's actually there's some ripping fields lined up. We don't have markets open. Oh, yes, we do. We have markets open right now. I thought we were going to be in a bit of a pickle there and we weren't going to be able to uh, tip one out. But I see on the bubbles after that strange miss at Ruakaka is back in the market at $4.50. This is a really good race. And I would suggest that plenty will... I don't know if they will all start in this race. Horses like wind speed, illumination... Um, down the bottom of the book that don't have jockeys booked, even La Bella Beals, some of Marshy's teams might not be lining up. So with the no deductions policy, you can feel free to have an early bet here and you're not going to get absolutely schemed. Amarilina, $9 on the bubbles, four fifty. Ballon Rouge, seven fifty. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing this. Miss Karsia is a, a proper mare uh, for the Stephen Marsh team. Seven starts, three wins, and she's four fifty. So that's Sunday. But before then... We've got plenty to get through, including, as you point out, uh, Rickerton and Wanganui. And Smithy, have you seen the Philly soap maze? I reckon she can win at the Wanganui Guineas. I, I have seen the horse, uh, and uh, I've seen a couple of its uh, runs, but I've also uh, I've, I've heard talk of it this week as well, very positively. Yeah, guys, I, I just been working super, has relished the winter training, the winter prep it's had. It's very fit. I mean, you're looking here at horses that some of them are coming back, some of them it's their second start, you know, first or second up. This is Sophie Mays, who's had a tough and fit winter prep, and she's right at her peak here for this group race. Um, she's going to be hard to roll from a good barrier with a really good jockey on. So she's the my pick in the Wanaganui Guineas, um, and there's some good racing across the card. Down there at Rickett and Tiako, and, and Mark Walker's actually down there, which is always a really good sign when you have t- um, people with, satellite stables so Mark Walker's gone down there and his team you know the Burgundy Roses of the world expect to see them unleash and it will be a a soft I'd say it'll probably end up a heavy track but you're still going to see some really classy horses be able to do some of their better work and start their spring preparations at Rickerton Park tomorrow so all good all round Philly. 
Louis Herman Watt has been with us uh, all week, uh, all year, um, and even more than that. Uh, Louis, thank you very much. Have a great weekend punting, um, and uh, we'll catch up uh, with you again shortly. It is uh, 10.53, and when we come back, we shall also visit with uh, Pip Morris, hopefully from the TAB. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Uh, it's 10.58, uh, just time to catch up with uh, Pip Morris uh, from the TAB, of course, and uh, Pip uh, Greyhounds at Addington and Palmerston North today, and some sports betting options. Good morning, Smithy. It certainly is, and a really nice meeting at Palmerston North today. We've got some $30,000, uh, 457-metre heats to look forward to, two distances over the 700-metre races, two heats for those, and the sprinters as well, running for $15,000, the high graders, and there's power plays available on all races with six runners or more, as well as at the Invercargill and Addington Harness races tonight, and a nice Addington Harness pick six. And just on the harness, at Invercargill in race five, the best back swing Jabali at $13, but they're taking 45% of those bets. And I really like Able Master at Pumice North, race number eight, New Zealand import, Australian import, I should say, for Lisa Cole. Comes up against Big Time Prada, but does look to be a really nice type based on his qualifying trial. And just quickly, Smithy, the All Blacks, so since the draw has been announced, still all the way Argentina taking seven times the amount of bets than the All Blacks. Seven times? Seven times, Pip? Good God. Yeah, they are. Hunters are happy to take Argentina, and there's a $1,000 bet on them too at $4.50 this morning. Wow. Thank you very much, Pip. You have a, a wonderful weekend uh, with you working on tally or calling them. Uh, thank you very much uh, for your uh, time uh, we're going to talk uh, tennis. Plenty of uh, betting markets still on the tennis, I hasten to add, um, at uh, the TAB on the US Open. Uh, we're going to get a, uh, an update on that from uh, our very own Dave Worsley after the break, and then we'll be talking to Brett Connor. Brett is an Invercargill Greyhound trainer. Lovely to catch up with him uh, later in the hour, as well as Michael Gellin on harness racing. It's 11 o'clock here, and here is Araha Hathaway. Smithy, this is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Well, it's time to talk some tennis because it's getting very interesting over there in the US Open and with a vocal Tiger Woods in the supporters box, Serena Williams is turning back the clock at the US Open, beating number two seed Annette Contevay 7-6-2-6-6-2 to advance to the next round at Flushing Meadow. There are two Kiwis flying the flag as well. Uh, in the doubles in particular, with Michael Venus and Eric Routleth uh, safely through the early stages. And on the ground in New York is tennis uh, pundit Dave Worsley for us. He joins us now on SENZ in the mornings. Um, and uh, I understand you're, you're going through some pretty harrowing times there with some raccoons in the press box. Uh, yeah, we've got raccoons in the walls here, and uh, there's a lot of wires in the walls. Uh, and I'm just waiting for them to chew through it so you might end up with no TV, no streaming, no nothing or no meat. Now, we've got photos of them. They look really kind of cute aside from the rabies. Uh, so we've got that. We've got walls falling down. We had um, flooding without any rain. I don't know how that happens, but it did. Um, yeah, the Arthur Ashe Stadium looks fantastic from the outside. But up here in the broadcast area, it's, <laughs> it's just hilarious. There's so many things that don't work. It's just brilliant. That is amazing. Absolutely fantastic to hear that it's not absolute luxury for you there. Gosh, I can hear some applause in the background, so uh, obviously some great tennis action going on at the moment, but certainly the Serena Williams farewell party, um, they haven't lit the candles yet. 
No, they haven't, because they're about to come on the courts in just a moment. That's what you were hearing. Uh, let's just wait for it. You'll hear a big roar in a minute, because what's the first that I've ever seen it, that doubles has led a night session. That's just nuts. I mean, we're going to have doubles instead of uh, Nadal playing first against Fognini. No, no, sorry, you're second, mate, because we have uh, this uh, pair of Venus and Serena, two times winners here. Uh, they're going to come out and play against uh, two players that people are going to go, who the heck are they? Well, actually, there's two Czechs, uh, Lucy uh, Hadeka and uh, Linda Noskova. Hadeka, a very good player in own right. They're going to take on the Williams sisters uh, with a combined age of about 80 or 90. No, it's actually 82. Yeah, 82. And uh, that is the start of the night session. So it's great for doubles and uh, it's great for uh, tennis here in the United States. It is great, um, and it is going to be a party win, lose or draw for both of them, I would imagine. Uh, but that was a pretty uh, inclusive performance. Uh, she's not going to go with, without a fight. And uh, next up, she's got uh, Tom Linovich because she eliminated the second seed. She might just uh, go a little bit further, Dave. Yeah, well, I predicted that she wouldn't make it past Contavit, but that was a fantastic contest. Uh, Contavit, the second seed, who hits the ball hard. I mean, real hard. She didn't, you know, give it away either. You know, we were three all in the first set. That's when I thought there might be uh, Serena could be just suffering a little bit. She could have a bit of a struggle because there was just a couple of really, really long games. But, you know, she proved me wrong, proved everybody wrong, and uh, then dropped uh, the next but came back and won the third quite convincingly. It was probably her best match that she's played for, well, maybe four or five years. I mean, she hasn't played much in the last two years, obviously, but maybe five years. I've never seen her actually play that well. Uh, she she actually moved well. She was focused. She was hitting the ball well, and Contavit, you know, was hitting the ball hard back at us. So it, uh, yeah, it was a good match. But the next round against Tomjanovic, uh, yeah, that's going to be a tough one. Um, we spoke to Tomjanovic myself and a few Aussie journos, and she said she didn't want to see Serena t- retire without having played her. Except she didn't want to play her on centre court. This was a couple of days ago, and now she said, well, gee, it's going to be interesting. And it will be interesting. That'll probably be the uh, night match, the first night match tomorrow as well. So Serena's just taken over the night matches. Forget about anybody else. So Contavet is gone. Sakari is gone. Badosa is gone. That seeds two, three, and four by my reckoning. Now, what are we looking at now on the women's side of the draw? Bearing in mind, we're only in week one still. <laughs> yeah, well, we're only on day, what is it, four? Uh, yeah, it is day four, so it's uh, yeah. Everybody's just about gone, except there is one person at the top of the, the top of the order there, and she just happens to be the world number one, and she just happened to have uh, what was it, thirty-seven wins in a row earlier this year. That is uh, Iga Swiatek, and uh, she played a pretty good, convincing game against a former champ, Sloane Stevens, today. So she is through to the third round. Uh, yeah, Muguruza is still there. Kvitova. Uh, actually, one player to watch out for, although she is in the same quarter as Schwerter, is uh, Jessica Pagula, the uh, American. Uh, she's a pretty decent player and number eight in the world. Uh, Sabalink, I think she came through, although she's not going to go too far. Yeah, Coco Goff actually is probably your other bet because she's in the other half of the draw. And there you go. You can hear a little bit of a cheer coming through. There'll be the Williams sisters coming onto the court. Uh, we don't even have sure a full is. crowd just yet. They're still outside. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty cool. The crowds are making their way in. They're buying their $18 bottle uh, glass, not bottle, glass of wine. You know, I'll come back poor. Um, luckily, I found some cheap bars, so it's okay. I'll be all right. Uh, yeah, so it's um, you've got <laughs> really Coco Golf is probably the main rival in the second half of the draw to actually be, possibly make it through. 
No fairy tale this year for Emma Raducanu. Uh, Naomi Osaka is gone as well. Um, without so much as uh, a whimper, what what's been said about uh, about that? Anything? Well, none of those matches actually surprised me. Osaka, her form has been just rubbish. Uh, mentally, well, you know, she's not there. I don't know where she is. Uh, so for her to lose uh, to Danielle Collins, who was the Australian Open uh, finalist this year, um, you know, and is a competitive player, a real top 20 player all the time, you know, that was not really a surprise to me. And then Raducanu losing to uh, Elise Cornet. Raducanu just had a good couple of tournaments, but Elise Cornet is the very dramatic drama queen French woman who is a bit of a veteran, a bit of a veteran at taking down players who are younger because they just don't know how to, what to do with her. She's always, you know, screaming on the ground, calling for a trainer, uh, calling for the referee, and that's just in the first couple of games. You know, you've got to get through the emotion of her, and if you can, well, that's great. But, yeah, that was not a surprise to me. And, I, you know, Raducanu's 19. Uh, yeah, how she did it last year, Leila Fernandez made it to the second round, I think, or well, first round, she went as well. So perhaps it just shows how remarkable it was her performance to win last year as a, as an 18 year old coming through uh you know from nowhere uh you know the the year i wouldn't say it's still young but she still has plenty of time on her side if she can get over things mentally on the gentleman's side of the draw and i say that in typical wimbledon fashion but it, uh, whether the us open <laughs> yeah. no, uh, we don't right have we have we have lost sits pass uh, the number four seed but we still have uh, the remainder there medvedev uh, alcaraz uh, we've got the nadal rude and we have a fellow by the name of Andy Murray making some noise. Yeah, so Muzz out there with his, um, you know, bionic hip. Uh, I don't know which number it is that he's had now, but, you know, he's he's out there. He's playing pretty well, actually. He's quite pleased with uh, where his body's at. Uh, Cam Norrie as well, the South African Kiwi, American Scott something. Uh, yeah, he's out there, top 10 player and playing okay. Uh, my thing that I'm potentially looking forward to is if they win tomorrow, uh, Medvedev and Kyrgios, they're going to face off in the fourth round. Now, that would be cool because Medvedev, you know, is this fantastic defending champ and has been pretty quiet so far, so that's good. Kyrgios has played really great tennis. He even said <laughs> that he doesn't know who he is because he's so focused on tennis since Wimbledon and during Wimbledon that he's so focused on tennis, he is eating well, he's sleeping, he's doing everything that a professional player should be, and he's struggling with that. He's struggling to actually be himself, as he said. I, I don't know who I am, which is kind of good, I guess. He also is, um, he made the great comments, and I, I agree with him, that um, you know, all he can do is smell dope being smoked. It's legal here in New York, and it's not like it's sold out of stores. It seems to be that everybody's selling it, smoking it, including all the construction guys that I walk past are on the job smoking it, and it's pretty much everywhere. And he's like, I'm out in the court and I'm smelling dope. I'm smelling joints being smoked. This is weird. So, you know, I'm the player that would recognise that and actually say it would be Nick Kyrgios, of course. OK, uh, let's look at uh, the doubles, the Kiwi doubles um, exponents. Uh, both started off uh, quite nicely. Yeah, they did. Uh, you know, Michael Venus and Tim Pugut's uh, fourth seed. Uh, they had a tough uh, first rounder against, uh, was it... Uh, Gublev and uh, I think it was um, Martin. Uh, they won through in three sets, so that was a good start for them. And then in the women's draw, it was Erin uh, Routliffe and her regular partner Rosolska coming through in straight sets, albeit a very weird score all over the place. 
so yeah, through to the second round for both. Uh, and then Mike Venus won his uh, mixed match with uh, Perez from Australia uh, over Jamie Murray, actually. Uh, considering that Jamie Murray had twice beaten uh, Mike Venus in the actual final here on centre court. Uh, so that was quite a nice one there for him to win that. A little bit of extra cash. Uh, at the moment, Erin Routliff is out on court playing her first round mix as an alternate. Uh, lost the first set in a tie break, but up in the second. So, yeah, they're out amongst it. Uh, the two Kiwi players, uh, they're both, uh, well, certainly Mike feels that the US Open is a bit of a zoo, and it is. And that's a nice way of putting it. And that's not just the raccoons, it's crazy out there. Uh, it really is crazy on the outside courts, let alone crazy on the main court. Dave. A little bit of debate uh, raging uh, in the, the women's side of things. Greatest of all time, Serena Williams, Margaret Court. I think it's uh, the greatest of this time period. Because how can you compare someone who would have used a wooden racket, played as an amateur, and then as professional, albeit or was basically semi-professional, against someone who's played in a uh, technological era with rackets and everything else, uh, been able to video analyze a game and then through to social media. How can you compare the two? Uh, we can appreciate so, the two. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, we can appreciate the two, but we cannot compare them fully. Aside from if you want to do just straight numbers, and even then I don't think that works. Who are the characters in the press box, Dave, apart from the raccoons? I mean, does McEnroe put his head in the, inside the press box at any point? Yeah, well, I'm actually upstairs in the broadcast booth. At the moment, I have this this particular part to myself. It's quite nice, actually. Um, I've got a great view, and, uh, you know, I've got a fridge, and I've got a few other things. Uh, down along the uh, hallway, we've got, uh, well, the BBC have moved down to the other end this time. Um, yeah, there, there's a, I put the elevator up with Lindsay Davenport, just have a chat sometimes. Uh, you know, there's a, a few other players. Uh, McEnroe is down in a lower area most of the time. But yeah, I just, you know, I kind of gotten used to it so many times that I'm like, oh, yeah, whatever. Um, yeah, I see a few of the players, quite a few. And, uh, you know, Mary Jo Fernandez wandering around. She's one of the key uh, commentators. But yeah, Lindsay Davenport's always one of the nice, mumsy sort of uh, people. She's, she's really lovely. But yeah, in the in the media, Matt Fielander, you know, see him a lot. He's he's a really nice guy. I mean, he won, won eight Grand Slams. Uh, should have won the gold, uh, Grand Slam in the 1988. Won three out of four. You know, you you see a few of those sort of guys just worrying about. I've got to say, I actually almost take no notice. I sound really blasé, don't I? You do actually, because uh, you you would have commentated the whole of uh, and, and followed the whole of. Serena's career. Uh, I mean, you've been around, uh, and yeah. I don't mean disparaging. I remember when I don't, she... want to, I don't want to be rude here, Dave, but you have been around no, quite be a rude. while. I'm fine. Yeah. No, <laughs> I'm okay. fine. You so can be you, rude you, about her as well. Um, no, you, no, you've commentated. Sure. You've been around as long as Richard Williams. Uh, <laughs> just about. Um, gee, now I'm really getting old. No, no, he's older than me. Uh, but the thing is, I remember when uh, Serena and Venus came down to Sydney, and I was uh, doing the ATP event there, and um, these two. Well, both pretty lanky at that stage. Uh, teenagers were there saying, people saying, watch out for this. I was working for the ATP at that stage, but the WTA communications person said, oh, look, um, can you just stand here with these two girls for a moment? Don't let them move. I'm like, okay. Um, oh, yeah, I hear these two are pretty good. And then I just spoke to them briefly. They didn't say much. They were pretty young. And then I had to go and look after Martina Hingis instead. The WTA said, oh, can you just help us out with this? Take it for interviews. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll leave those other two with you. And um, they were, you know, they were young, like, you know, 17 or whatever. And it was like, I think they were coming to Australia for their first ever Grand Slam. And uh, 
what was that, 1998 or something like that. So, yeah, I got to see them then and got to see them practice and thought, okay, they can hit the ball hard, but can they hit it in? And they did. Okay, they did, and they hit it in very hard, and they hit it very often, yep. and uh, they made a, a crap load of money out of doing that just uh, as, just by the by as well. Uh, are you missing Novak Djokovic? Is anyone missing him? Uh, you know, because it's been the Serena show, I don't think he's missed at the moment. When Serena, if, when, whatever, she loses, the attention will switch to, okay, who do we look at next? And the woman's draw kind of fades away. So you look at the men's, you've got Medvedev, you've got a guy called Nadal still there. Uh, I remember no Federer, uh, no other real American players that are going to come through. So that's when we may say, gee, yeah, we are missing uh, Djokovic. You know, the, the bizarre thing was that he played here last year in the final, remember? And, and he lost to Medvedev in five. Uh, then he wasn't allowed to play in the Australian Open. And Medvedev got booed there, unfortunately. That was a real shame, you know, no fault of his. Then Medvedev wasn't allowed to play at Wimbledon, but Djokovic was. Does this make any sense? No. You know, Medvedev can't have his flag next to his name. I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't live in Russia anyway. But this is the bizarreness of politics, sports, sports and politics, and just stupid professionalism. It is. It is absolutely bizarre. Uh, Dave, um, it sounds like an eventful uh, week one. Um, we will endeavour to try and catch up with you in uh, week two. Are you still handling you know, the social side of uh, the US Open like you used to? Is it getting too tough? Uh, well, yeah, well, you know, I'll see tonight there's a great dive bar that uh, some of us may accidentally um, have found. Uh, yeah, I, I did actually visit the, uh, the infirmary, the hospital type of thing here at the bottom of um, Arthur Ashe Stadium as well, but um, that's another story. Okay, we won't go any further. We'll just uh, look forward to talking to you again later on in the tournament and uh, we'll keep it under wraps. It is uh, <laughs> Dave Worsley, as always, we'll leave you. Uh, go back to the Williams sisters. Ignore us. Go on. Go back to the Williams sisters. All right, I will. Yeah, they're, they're waiting for me. Oh, God. <laughs> again, they remember, you see, they remember all those years ago. You set them on the right track with that little bit of babysitting. You've done the right thing. Dave Worsley, thank you very much uh, for your time. And uh, as I said, we'll catch up with you. Uh, when it really gets serious at the business end towards the end of week two. It's 11.19 here on SENZ. Greyhounds next. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Well, it's been great uh, over the last uh, few three or four months actually catching up with personalities from uh, the greyhound racing industry from all around the country. And today we're going to head uh, about as far south as you can get in terms of uh, the Greyhounds anyway. We're heading to Invercargill where we're going to catch up with uh, Brett Connor. Good morning to you, Brett. Yeah, good morning, Ian. Uh, look, uh, Brett, you've been involved uh, with uh, the Greyhound industry for well, of three decades now. Um, tell us a, a wee bit about how, how you got involved in it. Yeah, it all started back um, around about 32 years ago. And my brother was a school teacher, and he knew somebody, we well, knew the gear, uh, the cleaner, and she was involved with somebody else with the greyhounds, and we thought we'd just take one and um, race it and see how it goes. And it ended up a pretty good dog. So then we thought, well, we might just have a go ourselves, and we ended up with a pretty good bitch. And then we carried on from there, and people came to us. We thought this game was quite easy. And then they came to us and said, would you train for us? And it just snowballed from there. 
Well, you've been uh, currently uh, or heavily involved too uh, in the admin side of the industry and still currently uh, on the board of uh, the Southland Greyhound Racing Club. Tell us a wee bit about uh, the strength of Greyhound Racing in the Deep South. Yeah, it's very, very strong down here. Um, the passion is terrific and that's what just keeps us going. Um, and we've, we all get on and it's just great to um, see somebody produce um, up-and-coming dog. Uh, so we back everybody and um, we like to see the dogs travel and do well at Christchurch and further up a field. So, yeah, no, it's really, really good down here. I mean, that is the thing, and, and you, you just touched on it there. Um, when you want to chase the big numbers, you have to do a serious amount of travelling. How tough is that? Yeah, it's way, bit, it's way more difficult for us because uh, if you've only got a smaller team, it's hard to get your dogs in up at Christchurch. So um, you've got to prepare them well before you go, and you've got to know the standard before you leave um, because Christchurch... Like that's our main centre. Um, yeah. They go around week in and week out. So you've got to have a dog that can produce the goods on the day. How many kennels in the Southland area? Bearing in mind, of course, you lost in Eden, didn't you? Yeah. Um, yeah, we lost in Eden. Uh, we've, got, um, we've got 28 dates uh, down here this year. Um, and we were up to 33. We'd like to get back up to about 50. Um, and the trainers that we've got here, um, we've got some young up-and-coming trainers that will uh, breed more dogs and uh, keep on going if we can get more dates. Well, that is the interesting thing too, because uh, you know I've often remarked when I look at the uh, greyhound racing industry, I look at the uh, you know the people that uh, are the handlers that are leading the dogs around, etc., and gathering them at the end of the race, and there is a really good demographic of young people involved in the industry. Is that is that pretty much the, the same down there? Yes, absolutely. Um, it's always been like down here, family orientated, um, and we like to see the young ones have a go and step up and, and they get the passion for it and then of course they, they carry on and um, they're just lovable animals so it becomes easy for somebody once they get their hands on a, on a greyhound to keep on going. Tell us a wee, a wee bit about uh, your uh, kennel at the moment. Brett, how many uh, greyhounds have you got? Um, and you've got one as a pet too, I understand. Yeah, I've, I used to train about 28 dogs um, when they are down to seven I train and one pet one okay so uh, let's uh, look at um, your, your highlights as, a, as an owner and a trainer what, are, what have been the individual highlights for you so far um, over all my years um, I've had several um, I've, I've won a group two race um, of a Christchurch with Waimatua Jim uh, we just about won the Futurity at Wellington. Um, we just missed because one of, uh, well, it's actually Ray Cox's dog came back on us. Um, so, yeah, I've, yeah, we've won the ladies' bracelet the other day. Um, there's been several, but to think of from off the top of your head, it's a little bit hard. <laughs> well, recently we can, we, can, uh, we can talk about Speedy Sue. Uh, running uh, on Tuesday uh, in race four, I understand, the heat of the Invercargill Cup. Uh, she won the bracelet, the Flair Ladies bracelet for you. It was about uh, nine grand. 
uh, that particular event. So, um, Speedy Sue's been good for you. Yes, absolutely. Um, we got it when it was young. Uh, Ray Amer um, is, is a good friend of mine, so I managed to uh, get the dog off him, and uh, she's just excelled. And she's she's a good bitch. Um, and I think yeah, she she went really super at Christchurch in the ladies' bracelet. Um, she's a leader. She she likes to get in front. And she do, do uh, fast sectionals. So um, we're looking forward to the Invercargill Cup heats. Um, she's drawn box eight. I just feel uh, she'll need this run and she'll pro- improve when it comes to the final. All the best with that. Um, there are racing, uh, there's racing on Tuesday, as you say. Uh, have you got a, a quiet little word for us? Just maybe one we could look out for apart from that? Um, yeah, well, I had a pretty good day the time before um, and it's very hard to to back up and single one of my dogs out um, yeah I, I think Buster's brother I, I think he's going exceptional um, he, he was on a 390 um, sprint last week he's back to the 457 um, and he got close to the track record so I think a power warrior is right beside him, and that might be the undoing of us. But uh, if we can get out in front, I wouldn't say he couldn't win. Brett Connor, it's been uh, a pleasure talking to you, getting to know you. Uh, all the best uh, with those uh, dogs on Tuesday in particular. Um, but uh, nice to know that uh, Greyhound Racing in uh, Invercargill and the Deep South is in great hands. Thanks for the chat. Enjoyed it. OK, Ian. Thank you. Yeah, cheers. Uh, Brett Connor there, uh, very experienced, uh, 31, 32 years involved in the greyhound industry. And isn't that a, a fact that once people get into it, they stay in there and they get the bug? Ah, oh, it's great. 11.31 here on SENZ, and uh, it's time to stump smithy. Yes, it is. 0800 150 811. 0800 150 811. Brian will be answering the, the calls, and uh, Logan, of course, will be the quiz master. And uh, today we're playing for... 50 bucks, 50 bucks from the TAB. We'll be back shortly. In the meantime, here is Araha. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. Yes, and for the last time, for a little while at least, while he's going to head off to Australia to com- commentate at the uh, Chapel Hadley series there, SNZ Mornings with Ian Smith, stumped by Smithy. Hoping for a big one here, mate. $50 TAB bonus bet up for grabs. You think we can maybe jackpot it up a little bit for Monday? Maybe we can. Leave, leave uh, Ricardo a bit of a legacy, eh? A $50 legacy. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's try and deny somebody today, shall we? I love that. A bit of a legacy. All right. So first at the crease, we have Greg from Auckland coming, mate. Yeah, morning, guys. How are you? Yeah, good, Greg. Uh, looking forward to it. Um, uh, what about the rugby this weekend? Will you, you cast an eye on it, over it? Yeah, yeah, I'll take a peek at that. Go to the Warriors first. So we're going to go and have a look at the Warriors on Saturday and then we'll get home and time to watch the rugby straight after. Ooh. Are you a diehard Warriors fan, Greg? Uh, yeah, look, I am. I've, I've been a bit slack this year. It's my first game this year, so um, I've been a bit slack in actually getting to the games. But, yeah, no, I watch them every week. I'm, I'm there, do or die. Good on you, mate. Okay, let's uh, get stuck into it. Um, and uh, Logan, what, uh, uh, Greg, today, what are the uh, categories? Well, that is a man that is keeping the faith. I love that. Let's see how you go today, mate. 
Today's topics are rugby, boxing, and cricket. Take your pick. Uh, we'll have a go at the cricket, eh? Nice. Here we go. Good luck to you both. See how much homework you guys have both been doing. First question. The Chapel Hadley Trophy has been contested by the Black Caps in Australia since 2004. Aussies winning it six times. How many have the Black Caps won? I am going to go... You said since 2004? I'm going to go twice. Actually, three times. Three times. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Over to you, Smithy. Once. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Woo! Uh, The Black Caps have won it four times. There's been two draws. Wow, I would never have got that. Okay. Good God. Jesus. Well, there's still time, mate. There's still time. Second question. Brendan McCullum, Baz, has scored the most runs in the series with with 809. Michael Hussey, second there with 736. Which Kiwi sits third on that list? Mm. I'm going to go... Ross Taylor. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Brian seems shook. I think Ross Taylor's a pretty good guess. So Smithy, over to you. Oh, it can only be Kane Williamson then, surely. One of the worst things oh, I have no. ever seen done on a cricket field. Martin Guptill? Yes, it is Martin Guptill. That oh, is correct. Oh, He's on 716, so he's potentially in line to overtake... Huss there, the series. We'll see how he goes. Of course, we had him on the show uh, yesterday. So if you missed that, and if you go check it out on the podcast. Uh, Last question. You're still alive here, Greg. $50 TAB bonus bet on the line. Trent Bolt, lovely Trenty. He's second on the most wickets taken list with 23. Who sits at number one? I'll give you a hint. It's an Australian. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, Mitchell Stark. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Oh, gosh. Here we go. Lovely <laughs> Trenty. Lovely Trenty. You love that. Um, okay. Let's um, let's try and uh, see if we can uh, nail one down. Uh, I'm not confident about this at all. I am not confident about this at all. I'm going to go Brett Lee. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. Glenn McGrath. No, no. Mitchell Johnson, 26. Oh, Mitchell Johnson. Good God, I wouldn't have got him either. There you go. So. Jeez, we didn't do it. No, Greg, we were were crap. A lot of fumbles. We were pretty average. You you were better than that, though, Greg, because um, you won uh, and I didn't. So, hey, congratulations, mate. Uh, enjoy the I Warriors think, and enjoy uh, enjoy the Warriors. Enjoy the rugby. Uh, have a good Father's Day. And Greg, uh, enjoy the money from the TAB as well. And stay on the line. And Brian will make sure he's got your details so he can get it to you as soon as possible. Thanks for taking part, Greg. Brilliant. Thanks, Matthew. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Yeah, cheers, uh, Greg. There from Auckland, who is the victor today. Now, a couple of texts have come in regarding uh, cricket coverage. Hey, some of the other Black Caps on Sky TV or Spark against Australia. Uh, Marshy 
They are on Sky TV, Sky TV. Uh, so mark that down on your calendar. <coughs> Mikey says, uh, so they're really looking forward to the cricket. Are you the lone Kiwi voice on the Aussie commentary? Yes, I am in terms of Fox television. Um, so I hope the team uh, do you proud and you can give to those Auss- arrogant Aussies. Yes, it wasn't a lot of fun when I went over and commentated the test series. It was like I was a dartboard there uh, lined up uh, on a daily basis. So uh, <coughs> I was there for the taking, Mikey. Uh, so we're hoping that um, that we can uh, level, a, level a score on the Chapel Hadley. That would be fantastic. Uh, I can tell you um, I got a bit of a roster yesterday. So Nathan Lyon is in the commentary box uh, with me. Uh, Mark War, Kerry O'Keefe uh, is, is in there as well. Um, Brendan Julian is there, Brad Haddon uh, and Mel Jones, uh, the commentators that I've been advised that uh, you'll be listening to on Sky uh, over the next week in the Chapel Hadley. So uh, thanks for those two texts. Uh, answer those questions at 11.40 here on SENZ, and it's trotting harness racing next on the agenda. It is uh, 11.45, and every Friday at this time we uh, get uh, an update on what's going to happen over the next uh, three days in terms of the harness racing industry, and this morning we're talking uh, to Michael Guerin. And, Michael, good morning to you. I just wonder... Of the commentary, of the team that you've got, the commentary or an analytic pair of you and Greg O'Connor, who's captain? Who's captain of that team? Oh, he, he is, Smithy. Good morning to you and good morning to all your listeners. Um, yeah, for those who don't know Greg, he's a far more serious and diligent and responsible person, whereas Smithy, I just like to shoot from the hip and, and walk around. And my, my ideal broadcasting scenario would be talking to three people in a bar discussing races and rugby while drinking. So that's ideally how I would like to do it. I think that's probably illegal. So Greg's the brains of the operation and just sort of taps into me when he needs something stupid to be said. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Uh, well, we tap into you for common sense, of course, and we need some uh, oh, well, this weekend. I'll, I'll because try that as well today. <laughs> <laughs> it's, been a, it's been a busy one. Already last night, of course, you had racing uh, at Alexandra Park, but uh, tonight in Vicargo and Addington, uh, this afternoon and tonight, and then of course Ashburton on Sunday. So we're, we're warming up as uh, spring hits us. Well, and spring's a really important time for harness racing. People who don't follow it may not know. The good horses, the absolute best horses, tend to have winter off. They don't race much. And then last night at Alexander Park, you see they start to come back and they start to, to look towards the bigger races. And the biggest of the races is the IRT New Zealand Cup. That's at Addington on November the 8th. Everybody knows about it. Most importantly, before we get into tonight's races, the tickets for Addington, for the general public to get in, Smithy, go on sale today. Now, they've had tiny crowds the last two years. Basically, 1,200 people were allowed to go last year in bubbles. It was just yuck. It was horrible. This year, Smithy, the gates will be open for 20,000, but they will sell the joint out. There's no doubt, I know it sounds like a lot of people, but they will sell the joint out. Now, I would suggest if you want to go to Cup Day at Addington, which is still the biggest lace day in New Zealand, um, jump on addington.co.nz, buy a ticket today. I'm not trying to give you the hard sell. I'm just telling you because if you want to go, you won't be able to get in in about a month. And the hospitals will sell out really quickly. So that's for the Cup, which is now only two months away. Now, the next steps to the Cup, Smithy, um, are on at the moment. So these good horses are coming back, and some of those happen tonight. Horse called BD Joe, who's a really good horse, comes back tonight in race five. It's at 740 at Addington. He's off a 30-metre handicap. Now, for those who don't watch a lot of harness racing, sometimes the really good horses 
if they're up against significantly inferior horses, have to start behind them. And it not only costs them the 30 metres, it costs them field position and tactical advantage. I think he'll overcome that tonight. He's a pretty good horse. He won a harness jewels, and he'll be ready to go close to winning a good race in the next month or so. So race five, number eight, BD Joe. The other big horse of a handicap tonight is in the main trot. That's at 6.45, so nice and early before the footy starts. Oscar Bonavina faces a 45-meter handicap. I think that's too far for him. I think 45 metres is too far because his overall field is stronger. I don't mind a horse in that race. It's a bit nutty, actually, Smithy. It's called Matuatana. It's race three, number three tonight. The best version of Matuatana can win. The worst version will finish last. He is the absolute Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde of trotting in this country. But I do think he won a trial last week. He can get things close enough to right tonight. And those nutty type horses, they like smaller fields. Less things can go wrong. Less things can annoy them. So that's race, race three, number three. So Addington tonight, in the Cargills today, down there on the mm. deep south, they've got a sort of semi-twilight meeting. Then we head to Ashburton for a good meeting on Sunday. In between all that on SENZ, we have a big day of gallops action tomorrow, Whanganui and Rickerton. We'll be previewing those in the morning at 8 o'clock on uh, the mail run with myself and Louis Herman Watt, who's also the captain. So basically, I don't get to captain anything, Smithy. Um, and then Thank 11 you. o'clock on Sunday morning, we'll have our trots talk, where Greg will do his Southern Man segment, talking to all the Southerners about Ashburton winners. And then don't forget, tomorrow afternoon, the good oil has been given a revamp. It's very fast moving. There's a free punters club you can enter. That kicks off at 1 o'clock tomorrow, Smithy. So around all the footy going on, what the Warriors and the ABs playing tomorrow night, before then, you can get a nice big juicy racing fix on SENZ with three shows in the space of 24 hours. Michael Guerin, uh, a busy man over the weekend. Thank you very much for that. Thanks uh, for the information. Let's hope we can make a quid uh, for all the punters and the, the punters that follow you, and there are plenty of them, I can assure you. Uh, have a good weekend, mate. I'll, mate. I'll, see, I'll see you in the Tron tomorrow night, mate. I'll see you, I'll see you at the game. Good on you. Okay, cheers. Okay, Michael Guerin there with us, folks, um, and uh, we shall uh, take a short break here. Uh, I've got a couple of texts. In fact, uh, so looking forward to I can read a couple out there. Smithy, his skull is much fun to commentate with, as I imagine he would be. Uh, that's from Chris. Yeah, he is, absolutely, on and off the microphone. He's an absolute ripper. Um, and uh, his humour is unpredictable. Um, he, he is just just brilliant. I, I, I love it when he talks about the, the art of spin bowling. Uh, he cracked me up in one particular session of commentary. I, I couldn't recover when he talked about uh, the, uh, the art of spin bowling and having the ball spitting out of... Uh, out of the foot marks and having fielders all around the bat, he described that as cricket porn. Cricket porn. And once he said that, I was gone. I was gone for the next 20 minutes. Uh, and then after a one delivery, spat and turned out of it, uh, of, out of the rough. And uh, he said, oh, God, I need a cold shower. I need a cold shower. So, I, was, I mean, he was just like that. Uh, uh, he's just a brilliant, brilliant mind when it comes to uh, humour, but cricket as well. And he does his homework. He is a very, very well-researched uh, commentator as well. Someone else has said, uh, what was it like commentating with uh, Tony Gregg and Richie Beno and co? Bill Laurie, well, it was like, um, if you can imagine this, it was a, if you heard the 12 man, uh, 12 man tapes with Billy Birmingham, it was like being smack bang in the middle of one of those because he was very good at his impersonations. Uh, but uh, it was like that. It was just, just brilliant. Great fun. 
Uh, great learning process. Uh, always said that Beno is the greatest uh, commentator I've ever learnt off, and uh, that I don't think will ever change. So 11.52 here on SENZ. Uh, we'll be back shortly uh, as we sign off and get ready for staff. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.